everyone, and welcome to Whose Health Is It Anyway? with me, Elizabeth Mills. My goal with this podcast is to highlight the experiences and health journey of those people living with long-term illness, disability, and other health issues. And I wanted it to be a platform for those of us who live differently, but live beautifully. I'm excited to learn and educate myself as well through this process and look forward to hearing some really, truly amazing stories. I don't want people to be sad listening to this podcast or feel pity. I want the messages and stories to be uplifting and inspiring and an example of how truly resilient the human spirit is. People living with illness can sometimes be labeled as weak or delicate, and I'm here to prove how very untrue that is. I was nervous recording this first episode. It's my journey, and so it's very personal, but I found it very therapeutic, and I'm so thankful to my husband, Brad, for being my first guest and helping me overcome my initial nervousness and fears. If I can help even just one person with this podcast, that is truly the ultimate goal for me. Possibly even helping someone find a diagnosis would be incredible. The episode is long. I considered editing it down, but then it just wouldn't feel authentic anymore, in my opinion. I really felt just keeping it raw and the way it, the way it is was the best choice. I also just wanted to do a quick shout out to those of you who are blood donors. Uh, you are amazing and you are truly changing people's lives. I can live a normal, happy life, play with my daughter because of the blood I receive. If you are not a blood donor and have maybe considered it, maybe this will be the push you need. And hey, since you're going, why not take a friend? <laughs> Without further ado, here is my first episode. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Till we meet again. This is officially the first <laughs> podcast for me. Something that I've been wanting to start for a long time and kind of just took the plunge and I'm doing it and I'm happy that I decided to do it and I hope everybody enjoys um, this and the many more I hope to follow. And I went back and forth on who I was going to talk to first and felt like it would be nice to have my husband, Brad, because he went through everything with me and... I wasn't easy to book. You were, you were easy to book or you weren't? Did I you was, see you were? I'm easy to book. You're easy I, to book. I, I live yeah. in the house. I guess, yeah. <laughs> and you have all the equipment. And I have the equipment. And it was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also just it's where it's easy to talk to you and it was it just seemed like the most natural thing to have. A lot of podcasters when I hear them start their shows they do it with a close friend or something first to get the jitters out. Right. So, and yeah, it's, it's not Yeah, and it just seemed for me most natural to be talking to you yeah. first. It was just kind of a nice I'm intro. The, I'm the beta interview. Yeah, and you and your big five podcasts that you have released. That's correct. I mean, you're you're the expert here, so <laughs> I'm I'm learning from you. Five episodes. How to do this. Five. The big five. Mm -hmm. Um so I'm I'm gonna have my intro kind of explain the majority of what I'm basically trying to get from the podcast or, or doing, but um I think that if I can talk to people and kind of branch out and 
talk about all these different types of things that people might be going through, illnesses, disabilities, etc. And maybe there's someone out there who's struggling with um, something of their own or a child or a relative and they're having issues that they can't diagnose or having struggles diagnosing and maybe listening to one of these podcasts. I mean, if six people listen to it, but one person of those six gets something from it and possibly gets answers to something that they've been trying to figure out. I mean, to me, that's the ultimate goal really is just Mm -hmm. helping anyone out there. So uh, I hope that over time, slowly people um, really are able to get something out of it and even just a platform for people to to discuss what they have and and just even I'm excited to learn more about what's out there and because even just from myself having what I have and then realizing oh my god there's so many autoimmune disorders out there that we never knew existed until it was thrown at us right and I mm-hmm. think that most people live their lives like that and it's no fault of their own that's how we all live we don't really research or learn about things when it's not directly affecting us so it's it's a nice way to have a platform for people to speak about maybe what they're going through and so it sounds like you got two goals with it one goal is to maybe help people come to some sort of diagnosis of their own and the second one would be to just a platform for people to speak about the experiences that they've gone through with their journey for their health right exactly and it's it's a great way to get that just out there. There are people who, thankfully, they don't have to deal with any health issues in their life, you know, and it's it's something for them even to kind of uh, learn about and maybe take, take on into their life because you never know what's going to happen down the road, you know, 10 years from now. Um, I certainly didn't think I'd be going through what I'm going through. Um, so it's nice just to have that knowledge. Maybe by- explaining that what you are going through what your health issue is yeah and i mean that's yeah i i want to get into all that and i feel like you're kind of the best person to talk to it about because i think even us we're still we're still learning you know we don't know everything about what it is i have either so it's a nice it's nice to have you here because there was a lot of times when i was unable to listen or i was you know, passed out in a bed due to like heavy medications or whatever, what, what will you? And, and you were there like listening to the doctors and getting the info. So it's, it's nice to have you to talk to because there is some stuff that I kind of wasn't even aware was happening that you experienced. So I guess we can just start from the beginning, which is that I've always kind of had health problems my whole life, but they were so minor that my parents were always kind of told that maybe it was lactose intolerance, you know, like this and that, always minor things. No one ever really thought to look um, look any further because it was minor issues. They don't typically um, really look into that much. But in hindsight, looking back now, if you take all those small individual little issues and, and add them together, you would think that somebody along the line would have said, hey, you know, all these little issues mashed together make one big issue and we should probably look into this. But unfortunately in my case that that didn't happen, you know? So I just kind of went through life, like kind of feeling like I knew I wasn't, you know, the healthiest, but I kind of just figured that that was normal. It became my normal and I didn't really question it. 
And so when odd things started happening, like at 16, I would have like little dime sized bald patches and things like that. And I, I would just think, oh, well, you know, it's not a big deal. It's a, it's a tiny patch. No one's going to see it. And I, I didn't, you know, have, I just thought, oh, whatever, you know, I had so much hair it covers the, the spot. I don't got to worry about anybody seeing that. But now obviously looking back, I think, oh God, you idiot. Like, why didn't you look into that? Go to the doctor, you know, figure out why you had bald patches because that's not normal. Um, but just things like that, like scattered throughout my life. And it wasn't until that year. What was that? Like 2015, I think. 2015 was the day that I went when you had left. So Brad had a business thing in, in um, New, York. New York and I dropped him off at the airport, said our goodbyes. And, but that morning I had been telling you that I, that I had it's 2013, 13, yeah. right. Right. Or 12, 12 or 13. Uh, was it that long ago? I think ago? it was that long ago. Yeah. Wow, geez, the time has just <laughs> flown by as it is. Because sometimes. then two years went by where there wasn't really much. That's right. You're right. And now the last four Oh, years wait. Are you talking about the ITP, ITP situation? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm talking about different. Okay. So, yes, you're right. That that happened first. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I guess initially the first big thing was when I had ITP. So, I guess I'm doing the majority of the talking. So, I'm going to let you explain what what ITP is <laughs> uh, idiopathic thrombocytopenia and it's the autoimmune condition where your body attacks the platelets um, your immune system malfunctions for some unknown reason attacks your your own blood and um, you were they say that it can be onset by trauma mm-hmm. and you had <clears throat> just gotten your wisdom teeth out and they say mm-hmm. that maybe the immune shock of getting the wisdom teeth pulled and then getting vomited on. By yeah, the, by my, I literally <laughs> had my wisdom teeth out, came home, um, was sitting at the bottom of the stairs with her because she was saying, Mommy, my tummy hurts, my tummy hurts. And I was like, okay. And I just thought, you know, she's a kid, her tummy hurts. And just out of nowhere, like projectile vomit, just like right in my face. <laughs> and I knew instantly I was like, I'm getting sick. So long story short, just had my wisdom teeth out, big giant swollen face my teeth actually wouldn't stop bleeding um and ended up hospitalized with um basically extreme flu symptoms plus um wisdom teeth low platelets. yeah and it ended up being low platelets and the thing that messed kind of this whole journey up i guess at that point was we didn't really know what was going on and yet again i kind of just went on the advice of doctors i didn't research myself i didn't take initiative to kind of figure out what was going on right and and i kind of just assumed okay the doctor knows what he's talking about and i'm happy with that so when he said to me oh you might have this thing called itp but they gave me um immunoglobulins so they gave me ivig which is an infusion um of plasma yeah i think blood plasma from like two or three hundred people or something like right that. something they, one hundred people yeah the blood out and mm-hmm. they extract it and give yeah. it to you and it normalized my it's like replacing my, your immune yeah, system kind of exactly but it normalized the platelet count and so he said oh well you don't have itp because this fixed it and you're good yeah. so to us you know on me i'm thinking woo, i'm good like time to go home you know and i just assumed it was like this extreme flu and i had my wisdom teeth out and it was just like a, a train wreck Fluke. of stuff but come to find out later on that 
that's not the case. <laughs> you you don't just. Te- did he even tell you that it was ITP? Or he did. Yeah, he, said he, he suspected it might be. ITP. Yeah, he said that. But I then remember. After he said it's not ITP. Yeah, and then he was like, "No, don't worry," because I remember being a little freaked out and thinking, "Oh, like what's this?" You yeah. know. And but he was just like, "Don't worry, it's not that," because the numbers went up. But obviously, and your then numbers they didn't tell us that. But after we got the medical records, it was written right on there that it was ITP. Yeah. Yeah. But he told us. But he was like, it's not, you're good. Like, go home, like, live your life kind of thing. And we were like, okay, great. You know, and yeah, so that's essentially what we did. Right. We came home and just kind of kept living. And I. You were trying to get a diagnosis at that time for celiac. Right. Trying to make sure that like it was celiac. Right. Or maybe it was lactose intolerance. You were trying all kinds of different things for your diet. Mm -hmm. We started seeing naturopaths because you're your acid reflux and everything wasn't getting better. Mm-hmm. And your, did your hair start falling yeah. out when you had Leabeth or like? Yeah. So it was like, I remember her being probably with- like three, two or three. And I was already experiencing like the hair loss. It was like falling out. Yeah. Like yeah. a little bit, but not yeah. to the extent. It was of- like, it was like thinning out is the best way to yeah. describe it. Yeah. At that point. And it was mostly the, 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 vomiting and the acid reflux and well, your, was, was before Leabeth was born. Your yes, yeah, and your 30th birthday, I had my eyebrows like drawn on. I had barely any eyebrows at that point. So yeah. I was losing my eyebrows at that point. So that hair. was 6 years ago, 2012. Yeah, it was that was already 15? kind of the process of starting. Yeah. So but after you got pregnant, mm-hmm. you kind of like started to get a little better with the celiac. I so. did. It was weird. I I've heard before, I mean, I'm no doctor, you know, person like that. So just <laughs> this is just something I heard in passing. But someone had mentioned that when you're pregnant, I think it was a doctor, to be honest, that um, your your body is like working for the baby. So your immune system isn't as like hyped up. And because oh, yeah. I, I because I have like this insanely hyped up immune system, which is basically the root of all my problems, um, it was like reduced, right? It like, it like kind of settled a little bit. So I was, I was able to kind of function more normally. So like a lot of my symptoms, like stomach and, and hair falling out and, um, that vomiting thing that I was getting, it, it kind of settled. And I actually felt probably the healthiest I've ever been like when I was pregnant with her. Well, another thing too, is they also say that when a mother's in say, like, I think it's, six months or maybe three after three months or something mm-hmm. the the baby's stem cells the placental stem cells go through the mother's body and obviously we've been looking into stem cells a lot trying to find whatever we can to help your condition mm-hmm. and one of the things i was researching was stem cells and placental stem cells umbilical stem cells and that was one of the things they found is that uh like after um, after the birth, I think it was um, they they did blood tests or something, and they found like foreign blood cells in the mother's blood, right? Which came from the placenta mm-hmm. and from the umbilical cord and everything. So, like the baby's universal stem cells, or you know, like the God cells they call them, right. go into the mother's body and help mm-hmm. to heal things and autoimmune right. conditions are right. one of the things that stem cells can help with mm-hmm. so that may also makes sense that when women get pregnant if they have some kind of illness they can sometimes get relief from the symptoms because mm-hmm. there's there's like a, a god cell like basically like a universal stem cell that's going and trying to sort of fix things in the mother's body yeah 
Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. And I, I remember we, I remember hearing stuff like this and I'm pretty sure it was a doctor that was telling me, but I mean, like, again, nobody come at me with anything because I'm not a doctor or like a scientist or anything, but I know I've heard this. Or do come at you with, I, yeah. <laughs> with the source. With the facts. Yeah, yeah. Like if you know for sure, that's great. Then I would like to know. But I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, I'll even look into it after just to be sure. But I know, um, yeah, she was, I'm pretty sure it was my, uh, my immunologist or sorry, my hematologist that mentioned something about that. But so back on the timeline, so you yeah, had ITP, I, but they didn't tell us about it. They, they just, they just said you cured just said, oh, basically this, this IVIG and prednisone. I think you got prednisone. I got too. prednisone a little, too. A little right. bit of prednisone. Yes. A little bit of prednisone. Yeah. It um, was, it was only a three week round yeah, of prednisone. So dose. just actually, I'm going to just say three weeks is not really a long time to really develop any side effects too of prednisone. So at that point it was great for me because that was my first and only experience with prednisone up until that point, and I'd experienced no side effects because it was only a very short duration there was of time. something good that happened to you after that first dose of prednisone, though. Do you remember what it was? There was some sort of change in your health when you were on the prednisone that was, um, was good. I think it was maybe like your appetite. There was a lot of like things, that. yeah. Like I, I was having at that point a what we thought was like an extreme case of reflux, and I literally like couldn't even drink water because I would like almost throw it up. It was like getting really bad. And for the first time in a long time, I didn't have it. The prednisone like took it away, um, which really got me thinking, like, how is this even reflux if prednisone is fixing it? Because typically a symptom of prednisone is you get reflux. A lot of people experience really bad reflux from the prednisone. So the fact that it was taking away reflux or what we thought was reflux was a whole other thing that I didn't understand. So in my kind of research, what I feel it was because I was on prescription medication for reflux and it wasn't helping um i just feel it was an inflammation issue and prednisone relieves inflammation and i feel like it was just or is an extreme case of um like esophageal uh inflammation or something that it fixed or 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 reduced um which we still don't know to this day. But anyway, that's another little side issue that was going on. So but two years went by with just yeah. similar like symptoms and mm-hmm. trying to continue to get like scopes and stuff for celiac and confirm celiac or maybe lactose intolerance or something. Try to find answers on why you're still feeling ill and why you weren't feeling good and dealing with your doctors, like making you feel like a hypochondriac and... Mm-hmm not telling us the results of blood tests and all yeah. this stuff yeah until you got sick yeah it's almost like the, the 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 horrible thing of it and in most cases i think other people who are you know dealing with health issues could probably say the same is that it basically takes you almost like dying for for or what it seemed like in my case for people to say oh whoa you know like maybe this person has been telling the truth this whole time and there's actually something wrong with them and that's definitely how i felt and i i felt like kind of intense because it was all of a sudden everybody jumping to attention you know like oh geez like let's do something and <laughs> doorbell just rang the joys of doing a podcast, <laughs> podcast at home. in your house yeah um it's probably a shipment from the, amazon yeah ring and see who yeah we have the ring doorbell it's great investment so. oh, yeah they're gone already yeah it's a it delivery was, package it <laughs> thank you for a later i hope it's my new bench i ordered it's uh well actually yeah. i remember talking to my doctor my family doctor and we're in canada so canada has free health care for the most part mm-hmm. everything is free except for medicines like prescription medicines you don't we don't get free 
dental or eye care um and i guess like cutting edge treatments and 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 stuff like that you still have to pay for some of it but for the for the majority like i guess 90 percent of the things that people have it's going to be covered hospital hospital trips don't bankrupt people and stuff like that like that like it would in the states if you don't have the proper insurance but the trade-off there is that the doctors here don't treat you like a customer they treat you like a, a like factory conveyor like a belt item you know mm-hmm. like you're just on this conveyor belt and you're getting like put through the factory and they're just one person there just to mm-hmm. take their 15 minutes with you and, and go right and they see so many people um and you can't choose your doctor most a lot of people actually don't have a family doctor because they're so backed up in accepting new patients that people just kind of don't get a family doctor Mm -hmm. and even the family doctor that i have like i can't even make an appointment to see him it's it's like same day appointments only yeah and he's off on fridays and like yeah he he leaves at three o'clock and so it's really difficult for me to even just see my family doctor but i remember talking to one of the doctors about why um why is it that they that they basically are like that they don't get invested in your 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 situation and I think it was like he, he told me basically like they have to just make sure that you're alive. And if you're alive, that's their job. And, you know, mm-hmm. quality of life doesn't come really into the picture because it's just they have to see so many people and they mm-hmm. get paid a small amount of money to see each person. Or like the quality of life is kind of important. And if there's this drug like here, this will keep your quality of life good for now. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, we can't solve the problem, but we'll throw a medicine at it. That'll keep you kind of going. Well, doctors, the family doctors are different than specialists. Well, that's the, true. Yeah. The family doctors are like the GPs in the, in the U.S. I think they're called GPs. But here it's like your family doctor. It's just your clinical clinic doctor. Right. If you get sick and you want to go get a checkup, you go to your family doctor. And they aren't really equipped to deal with specialists things. Right. Yeah. And so a lot of people... In Canada and probably the U.S. too, kind of like get stuck in the the rat race of, of trying to get their diagnosis with the family doctor, or just the family doctor never puts them off to see a specialist, or they get referred to maybe the hospital, and the hospital does an X-ray or does a CT scan or whatever, and like mis- mystery illnesses always go like mm-hmm. eight years on average before finding a diagnosis because there's no specialized knowledge around these rare diseases mm-hmm. and family doctors are are too busy to like investigate everybody's mystery illnesses right. that they come in with. Right. And there's a saying like for, I know we haven't even got to what I have yet, but there's this saying, it says doctors, um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it, but it's some, the basis of it is like they, they look for when they hear hooves, they they look at horses not zebras so it's kind of saying that um they're always going to look for the most obvious answer right you know but there's like the zebra out there which is the odd Mm. or different thing so it's i feel like that was me exactly i remember when i heard that term i I just was like yes (laughs) you know that's me like i feel like my whole life they were looking they were hearing this these hoof sounds and always going you know not going to the zebra, which in my case, if they had just thought a little bit, not even outside the box, but just thought, put all the symptoms together and kind of went a different direction, maybe, who knows? I mean, woulda, coulda, shoulda, but um, 
it is what it is. And it's tough I'm here now. Because like I can sympathize with some of the doctors because some of the doctors I totally can't sympathize with. We've had right. some nightmare experiences. Well, and this is the thing. Doctors. Again, I'm just going to throw it out there again. I know that people have loving doctors. They have great doctors. And I'm not against medical profession or hospitals whatsoever. This is just experience, right? So, I mean, you have Uncle Frank. He's a great doctor. He probably is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I love Uncle Frank. He's fantastic. So, this is not against... I. We have nothing against like medical profession, doctors, nothing. It's just strictly the, what we've experienced. So, but sorry, Uncle Billy... Ahead. Uncle Billy, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uncle that Uncle Billy. Bastard. Yeah, what a jerk. So, I, I can sympathize, though, with some of the doctors because... Of the amount of people they have to see and the pressure of being in a clinic, mm-hmm. um, I got kind of like friendly with my doctor and mm-hmm. um, got to know him a little bit. And he was telling me that when a patient goes to see another doctor, they actually get fined. Like the the doctor, right? Family doctor, yeah. Gets in there's trouble. this there's whole, this sort of fine yeah. Get, there's like, this they, whole they fining thing on their pay or something. Mm-hmm. So like the when a clinic is closed and someone's got strep throat or something and they need to just go get medicine, they'll go to an mm-hmm. after-hours clinic. And if they go to a different clinic or something mm-hmm. and see a different doctor, then they get... It happened to me, dinged. remember? I went to the other clinic because I, cu- I, couldn't, yeah, I couldn't get into my clinic to see my doctor, whom I didn't enjoy anyway. Let's just throw that out there. But I went to a different clinic, no choice in mm-hmm. the matter, and uh, was fined. Yeah, or, sorry, received a threatening letter um, about being fined if I ever did that again. So like, school, yeah, like scolding, pass the fine basically. On yeah, which uh, which it doesn't work like that in the U.S. In the U.S., mm-hmm. it's like you pay for the doctor, so they treat you more like mm-hmm. a, like a client, mm-hmm. like a customer, mm-hmm. and you own your medical records. And like, there's a totally different air about the way you're treated in the U.S. Oh, yeah. when, but and the I US feel has crazy I feel even it's it's here. The, the thing is, it's such a different experience when you have a long-term illness or a disability or something you're dealing with long-term then when you're just popping in every once in a while for this bad cold or this eye infection or whatever, right? It's, it's a completely different, uh, from what I've learned over this experience too. being someone with a long-term illness. It's such a different experience when you go to the doctor or the hospital or, or whatever. It's, it's definitely changed how, like it made me realize, you know, mm-hmm. the, the differences in, um, um, in that, so your experience is is probably going to be completely different if you're going to the doctor uh, once a month, not even maybe once every six months for this bad cold, you know, as opposed to someone who needs to be going on a regular, consistent basis like me. Well, most of the p- problems that people have like that when they're just getting the average sort of like horse problems, not the zebra mm-hmm. problems, mm-hmm. is that they they can't get any real time with the doctor because the doctor's just like pushing you through the factory and right. just got to see the next person mm-hmm. so there's a lot of long wait times and there's like not many answers and the doctors are quick with you and like there's a lot of that like bad bedside manner and stuff because the doctors are seeing so many people right or people can't even get a doctor right um if you don't live in a town long enough you can't get a doctor or if the doc- if the mm-hmm. town doesn't have enough people you got to go to another town and get a doctor right that's true so i mean issues with there the is. canadian system all there the time, is but, you know it's um yeah. but having been a person who's lived both experienced both systems yeah. i can say it definitely was easier when i just went in for the run of the mill problems <laughs> in my experience anyway you know maybe it might not be like that for everybody but in mine um well that was the thing like when you were get- experiencing all of your issues your doctors just 
not thinking like how can I make sure that this person doesn't have something worse. They're just thinking skin problem. Here's some skin cream. Right, exactly. You know, yeah. oh, she's complaining about celiac disease. I'll send her to a GI specialist. Mm-hmm. And actually, skull. it took a year of me asking my doctor to send me to a to a GI doctor. Year, she would not send me. She like refused. It was like it just yeah, that's a whole other topic, but that was a really frustrating uh, part of my life too, where I was experiencing all these symptoms and nobody was really listening to me and refusing to send me to the things that I felt I needed to be sent to. And I think, again, I don't know if they get charged either for sending you to Not specialists, that. how that works. Right. I didn't Not think so. I don't know if there was something. Yeah. I think she was just, the doctor was just thinking. I think she was convinced. Yeah. I think she did. I don't, she probably did. And a lot of people with, which, Hey, there are hypochondriacs out there. So yeah. I don't want to say there isn't, you know, but, uh, I definitely got treated like that. But I think we got a little sidetracked. We started talking about the, the medical <laughs> system. Well, it's kind of all, it, is, it kind of wraps around to the same point because it's like it this is why it takes so long for people to get diagnosed with mm-hmm. mystery illnesses because the, of at least in Canada mm-hmm. the way that the doctors don't really get that invested in your specific case because mystery illnesses, by the way, are like so hard to find. Right. The you know the diagnosis for mm-hmm. that it requires specialists right. and. Even once you get past the family doctor and you get into the specialist route, then if you have an autoimmune disorder like you have, then it mm-hmm. touches like eight different areas of the body and you have right. eight different specialists trying to like diagnose and... And none of them are talking to each other. And they don't talk to each other and they <laughs> so, don't share yeah. notes to you either. Yeah. So they all, like if it's very specific, it's to do with your red blood. So you see your hematologist. Don't see me if it's about red blood because, but okay, it, it might be about my red blood, but it's something else connected to that. Well, no, like don't talk to me unless it's specifically this issue, you know, and it's just, it always boggled my mind how they never communicated, you know, all six specialists. I think I have six, right? Something like that is we're up there. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, man, it's communication, I guess. So it's like, it wasn't, you know, it's like any good relationship, right? Good communication is the key. Well, <laughs> There's no communication really there. Until you got really sick with, right. With which is kind of the story we were originally on hemolytic anemia. Uh, right. We weren't there yet. You, you jumped we're the there gun. Now. You jumped the gun. So I, uh, we're there now. so a few years after the ITP, would you say it was a few? Two years. Two years after. I just woke up. You were going to New York. I was dropping off at the airport. I felt just like insane. Like the best way to describe it is just the, um, like the most tired I ever felt in my life. And it was, it was even just hard to raise my arm. Like I remember just being so exhausted. But again, I always was the type that I just thought, eh, you know, whatever. And you had yellow eyes. Yeah. And my eyes started to go a little yellow, which was jaundice, you know, but, um, I remember dropping you off at the airport and saying, do my eyes look yellow? And you were like, kind of, yeah, kind of. And we kind of decided I should just yeah, go, to like, should go to the doctor. Yeah. So I remember I dropped my, our daughter off at my sister's and actually I took my sis, my daughter and my sister's daughter to the play place at McDonald's <laughs> and they played for like an hour. And I remember sitting there and I was just like miserable. Like I just felt insane, but I did that first. And then I took them to my sister's, dropped them off and I, she so kindly let me leave her there so I could go to the eMERGE. Um, and I went to the emergency room and I thought, oh, man, I'm going to be here for like seven, eight hours. It's typically the waiting time. And I was like telling her my symptoms and I was back in eMERGE in like maybe 20 minutes. And I knew instantly that, oh, God, they don't take you back right away unless something's seriously wrong. Like there's there's no way. I knew instantly that I was there was something seriously wrong with me when they took me back. 
and to emerge that quickly. And I had no idea it was going to be what it was. Um, but yeah, so it, it ended up being, um, that I was, I had hemolytic anemia, um, which is low red blood cells. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So your red blood cell count this time was low. Right. And I think when I had first gone, it was 68 was the count. So I think a normal, and this is all Canadian terminology, I guess. So, um, the, a normal healthy woman should be between like a hundred and I think it's 120 to 140 or that's, 115. That sounds right. 115 to 140, I think is like a healthy range. And where I think in the U S you just divide by 10. So it's like right. 11 to 14. I think that, like that is what US it is. Six. Yeah. So that's the healthy range anyway. Um, but women were all over the place, you know, with like menstrual cycle and all that stuff. Anyway, you can be different. And, and some women, their normal hemoglobin is, is always like consistently 115 or 110. They're just under. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was 68. So, uh, I was feeling a little intense and they just wanted to monitor me. So they actually sent me back to my sister's, um, did some tests and asked me to come back the next morning. And by the time I'd come back the next morning, it had dropped to 50. Uh, so I think that's kind that of when was critical. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of when panic mode set in and everybody kind of went crazy. And, I was signing papers for blood transfusions and like getting admitted into the hospital. It was just kind of like all out madness kind of broke out after that. And, um, the hemolytic, like hemolytic anemia thing. And, and we were, you were like on a flight back home because it was like, I'm in the hospital. And I remember just saying, you know, why, like, why is this happening? There's just no answers. And to this day, no answer. Like why, uh, we know that it's my body attacking and destroying my red blood cells but we don't know why that's happening. So that was extremely frustrating too. And, and I remember every time a doctor would come into the room, they would say, wow, aren't you unique? Aren't you interesting? This is so, this is so different. This is so interesting. Do you remember that? They would just kind of be like, aren't you a mystery yeah, kind of thing? Because it was a university <laughs> hospital. So it was yeah. a lot of like students and residents yeah. and stuff like that, that mm -hmm. were interested in it because it was, it was like mm -hmm. a good learning experience for them. Right. But I don't know if they diagnosed it properly right away. I think they just kind of well, wanted they, to... Well, they played with a few they things. They knew it was... Yeah. You needed a blood transfusion. It was auto, it was a hemolytic anemia. But mm. I, I don't know if they knew if it, if it was um, warm autoimmune hemolytic anemia right away. And I don't remember now whether they were... If they were just going to, like, do the same thing again, where they're just going to give you the blood transfusion, give you the, the IVIG, and then send you on your merry way and say, oh, you know, check with your family doctor. Yeah, no, they, were they weren't. That. I remember because he's the one that brought up that once you have ITP, you have ITP. Like, he was the one that, that said to us, because we had mentioned... But I think it was... I think, like, I had to press them to get serious about I think to... you did a few times, because I remember a few of them getting kind of, like, snippy with you. Because I was taking notes with yeah. my computer, and I was mm -hmm. Googling stuff, and I was, like, trying to look at the medical records and mm -hmm. listening to medical podcasts, and, yeah, and I you... stayed in the hospital with you for, like, I remember days. the one doctor you like kept firing questions at him and he was so he looked so intensely like he was so overwhelmed because i think the fact that you had so much knowledge about it was something that he probably one wasn't used to and it didn't seem like he enjoyed it he didn't want to be questioned you know and and yeah um which is typically most patients i think would just kind of nod and be like yes okay doctor you know and kind of take their word but you were like questioning things you were asking questions and he that specific doctor didn't seem to enjoy that very much. He and I was really... asking them to run different tests and like mm -hmm. to check for different things. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it was lupus or right, which 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 lupus was never or... even like really taken off the table. Right, it was kind of 
it's kind of like we don't think it's that but it was never really something that they uh, for yeah, sure... Yeah, because I remember asking them to run the DAT tests. The test that you get for lupus is the DAT test, and um, I can't remember the name of the other one, but there's like a few tests you can run for lupus, and when they all come back positive, or or a couple of them come back positive, then you mm-hmm. can kind of like <clears throat> go to the rheumatologist and uh, and confirm lupus. But your test came back, I remember them saying it was a weak positive, right? which was inconclusive. Right. So you didn't have the typical symptoms of lupus, like the butterfly rash on your face. Right. Um, you didn't have a lot of joint pain, like typically arthritic joint pain, like lupus people have. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of, of do, symptoms. but not. Uh, like yeah. You had hair loss and things like that. But then what? It, what was that conclusion? It was just like it was a. It was not lupus. lupus. Yeah. Because but... <laughs> typically, the way that even four years later now, when we still are CU rheumatologists, like he ta- he says that. You don't present with the typical symptoms and right. your results are not strongly positive to confirm a lupus diagnosis. Right. But the medicine that you're getting is kind of like what they would give someone with lupus. Right. It's just not specifically the whole concoction of a lupus treatment. Mm-hmm. But lupus is an autoimmune disorder just like CVID is. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean... <laughs> We don't really know, really. <laughs> right. It's it's basically just, it's basically like, this is what you have. We don't know why it happens. This is your diagnosis. <laughs> Let's kind of live with this kind but of thing. But the thing that really, so I just remember trying to push them to, I was reading all about these autoimmune things and even like trying to figure out if it was like blood cancer or something like that mm-hmm. because your red blood cells, there's a problem with your red blood cells and right. your bone marrow makes your red blood cells and... um you can do blood tests to see the size. I think it's called the reticula, reticulocyte count, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But it's the size. Reticulocyte, reticulocytes, I think, are your yeah. young blood cells. And if you can look at the size of them. Or the um, shape, too. And the shape of yeah. them, yeah. Then mm-hmm. you can determine whether or not your bones are like healthily producing red blood cells. Right. And yours were working on overdrive. Because your immune system was destroying your red blood cells Faster, so fast that yeah. your red blood cells were getting produced, cranked up by mm-hmm. your by your bone marrow. So your bone marrow was working fine, mm-hmm. but even with healthy with a healthy um, bone marrow production factory, mm-hmm. you can still have a type of blood cancer or genetic disorder that somehow it's like programming your blood cells to be destroyed or they're not being produced properly so your immune your immune system kills them mm-hmm. but i remember them saying that like it was such a low chance of it being anything like cancer and that was kind of like you know when you hear that word you're you know for the first time when you have to consider what it is then that's yeah. that's kind of a heart-sinking feeling yeah it was and i remember even though they were like we, we don't think it is but we have to look into it you know it was like whoa you know what i mean like it, it definitely was um mm scary to hear because yeah. I, I wasn't even kind of there no i never once thought it was that and then they kind of brought it up and even though they were like well they didn't it might want not to be that it, it might not be that like it's probably not that they didn't just, want but, to say it but i yeah. was the one that brought it up because i was like i just want to talk about whatever it possibly mm-hmm. could be and you know even if you have to go there like i want to test yeah just let's figure this out we, mm-hmm. we need to know what's going on with it mm-hmm. and they exactly. said that they could still do a bone marrow biopsy but that's such an invasive tests that right. like they haven't ruled out blood cancer 
but the likelihood that it's blood cancer is so minuscule that they don't think it's worth doing the blood the, the that test. invasive test to because you're find so out, young yeah. and and mm-hmm. they have all these other leads that it's probably Something, autoimmune yeah. disorder mm-hmm. that they're not going to bother with that. But I was right. in the mode of like I want to find out for sure what this is, and like if the treatment is bone marrow transplant or stem cell treatment or whatever it is, like, let's Mm -hmm. try to figure out a way to solve this genetic testing and and do like immunotherapy or genetic therapy. Like there's so many interesting new things Mm -hmm. and sciences Mm -hmm. around stem cell treatments and immunotherapy and gene therapy now that I'd say over the next five years, a lot of this stuff is going to be solved and it's going to be kind of like cost is going to come down hopefully Mm-hmm. to to be able to like cure a lot of these things that people are mystery illnesses that people are dealing with yeah but still it's it's not there yet mm-hmm. but anyways no and yeah so we we um i had the blood transfusion and i remember being terrified because i'd never done anything like that before and of course you have to you know uh sign things and they say like if you ever if you got hiv which is like very it's very not like there was that thing that happened a long time ago was it like the 80s or something i don't know when was it when they people got yeah, blood, but, and, but, still, but it's it's very rare for that it, to happen. Like, but even still the thought, yeah, that Not oh my gosh, HIV, but any kind, any of kind of yeah, virus, like, virus, or anything that's in that person's or in that blood that you're receiving, right? So that was really scary. Or and your I thought, body can react to that blood. Yeah, and it's such a it. it's such a weird place to be in, yeah. like in your in like a weird headspace because you're signing this thing because you have to because if you don't get this blood you could die so you really are like you have no choice even if you feel uncomfortable with the fact that you may catch all these things what do you what else are you going to do you you have no and other I think options i remember asking them like what happens if your body rejects the blood transfusion like mm-hmm. she has an autoimmune disorder she has problems with side effects of medicines like what happens and they said pretty sure what they said was like they will just have to like inject you full of prednisone and steroids and like thin your blood out so that mm-hmm. it's just your um counteracts the the blood and then right. do another one or something i yeah, can't remember was, exactly what it was but yeah. it's like it's kind of scary if that yeah, happens it is yeah it was just like a whole crazy thing and, and even still so we were there like what 11 14 days i think total or something like that and i was in the hospital 14 i think it ended up being 14 altogether from the day that i went to emerge to the day that we that I left, um, yeah, fourteen in that range. Anyway, and it was um, pretty quickly within like a day or two, your hair was starting to fall out. I think well, it had already been slowly, it was slowly kind of I, coming I out before when you then. Were, like asleep one time, I was like looking at you and yeah. I noticed your hair was like coming out and yeah, it was probably the stress too. I mean, stress. it was like yeah, extreme like your, your stress, it was like was hair loss. But I I I remember. Um, yeah, just uh, kind of going through the motions because I was sick. I There wasn't really, you know, I was just kind of getting through day by day. Um, so it's kind of a fog, but it's kind of, they had me on the prednisone. So anyone who's been on prednisone knows, especially at high doses, like I was on a high dose, um, you get really hungry. And I was just basically thinking about food 24 hours a day <laughs> in the hospital. I just wanted to eat food and that's all I cared about. Um, so I was basically like eating and eating and, and sleeping. And that was like basically the extent of what I was capable of. Yeah, But the problem during was those 14 like, days. W- once we came out of the hospital, it was like, I wanted them to refer us right away to like the best specialist for, yeah. for immunotherapy. And a rheumatologist, drug. which I actually didn't get until years later. Yeah. A, a rheumatologist, an immunologist mm-hmm. and a hematologist. We mm-hmm. needed to see that immediately to right. sort of like 
follow up. Actually, I think we did see the immunologist right away because you called. <laughs> remember, you I was calling yeah. every day. My husband called Brad. Did I even have, actually introduce you by your name, or did I just say my husband? Oh yeah. Anyway, yes. Brad. Brad. <laughs> I uh, Brad called at, like every day and left a, a message for the receptionist. Every day of they'll fail, you just called and called after and kept leaving. Five or six it. Days, yeah, and after five or six days of driving her nuts, finally, yeah. she got us in there. <laughs> so for your persistence, uh, we got we got in quicker. Yeah. But but that shouldn't have to be. But that's how it was in our case, and we just thought, screw this. And you were very persistent, and I'm very grateful for that because at the time I wasn't capable of being really anything. I was like a lump. <laughs> I was just trying to exist, but. So um, we had to see yeah. the gastroenterologist, the immunologist. You had a dermatologist, the hematologist, a, a hematologist, yeah. a rheumatologist, and what else? There was a couple other doctors, too. Um, the geneticist. Yeah, and my and there's my family doctor family thrown doctor. into the mix, and I feel like there's there may have been one more, but I don't else. know if there is anymore. <laughs> we had a fertility there's, doctor, but there's somebody in Strathroy. Um, but anyways, that whole mix yeah. of like six mm-hmm. or seven doctors, mm-hmm. it was like because your body was presenting these different symptoms, like you're having terrible skin rashes, mm-hmm. your hair was falling out, mm-hmm. like right there, that's dermatologist. Right. They can and take care of that. Yeah. Yeah. Dermatologist can, can like look at that, but then the hair falling out is kind of like similar to a lupus. So mm-hmm. the rheumatologist, we had to go in to see that. But I didn't, but still, I didn't have the rheumatologist no. until like years later. Yeah. And we had to be, we had to say, you know, we want, and I you want had to see your celiac symptoms. And so we were trying to get in to see the gastroenterologist because mm-hmm. your other one was. Mm-hmm. So essentially, like in the hospital, they, couldn't really diagnose anything. They just knew that I was experiencing hemolytic anemia. I had had ITP. Um, and now I was presenting with like hair loss and rashes or whatever. And so, leaving the hospital, we got requisitions. We made sure that they were going to give us blood requisitions to monitor your blood while we mm-hmm. waited for the hematologist's mm-hmm. Because obviously if the blood crashes, that's dangerous, you know. But I remember them saying it could be this thing, CVID. Um, but typically with CVID, people present with chronic infections. So nose, ear, like ear infections, um, bronchitis, pneumonia, like they'll have constant. These things will be mm-hmm. like a continuous, constant, constant thing in their life. And that's typically how people present with CVID. But what on a rare occasion, I guess, which is what was kind of explained to me, is that ITP and hemolytic anemia, when it happens together, which is also known as Evans syndrome, um, that that's also uh, um, an indication of CVID, which I think it's it's more common that people show with um, the infections and everything. But I think because I had these two things, they kind of said we think and it's isn't the it CVID. Typically that it's when you're younger, you find CVID. Well, no, CVID is actually more. It's not diagnosed until 30s, and I was like 29 or 30 what when I got diagnosed. Them saying though that they were like skeptical at first because you weren't you were in your 30s, you weren't. Oh, because they were like, you would typically be sicker as a kid, like you'd get a lot of... Right. I would have had more infections. But you were, and... it's just... Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah, it's... it's um. So, but they still weren't even like, yes, this is it. So even from there, after a 14-day hospital stay, you know, it still wasn't even... It was no, just, this no is answers. what's happening. We don't know why. See you later. <laughs> but uh, the funny... <laughs> I'm just remembering a story that was kind of... Remember, you had been parked there at the hospital for probably seven days at this yeah, point, yeah. and and you had stayed with me, and I was like, you need to go home and take a shower, you know, like, 
get some stuff for me. You were going to bring me some fresh clothes or something. So my mom came to stay with me while you left yeah. and you had lost your, your parking voucher mm-hmm. and the lady at the the parking voucher thing you had said to her oh i lost my ticket and she was like so mad and she was like well i'm gonna charge you for the full day now which was like what twelve dollars or something when technically you were supposed to get charged for like seven days and you were like oh geez oops sorry darn i'm gonna get charged it's so funny how some people like their life mission is just to like like she probably got so much joy and just yeah. like adrenaline from being like, yes, I get to charge this guy for a full day because he forgot his ticket. And when in reality, she should have been charging you for <laughs> seven days. And you were just like, oh, darn, I have to pay for a full day. See you later. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's just a funny story that happened from that. But uh, so there's a good hospital parking. Yeah, there's a good. Listening. Yeah, exactly. I, I lost my ticket to get back that <laughs> all that money we paid in parking from me being in there without it wasn't my choice to be there but uh yeah oh, hospital parking that's a whole other i think i gotta do a whole uh podcast on just so what we were doing expenses. after you left was waiting while we were waiting for getting the referrals and getting the appointments we went to go see the natural path that was the other doctor we yeah yeah and i wanted path. you to get a vitamin push because you Which were I did. low in certain vitamins and they were mm-hmm. making you take those pills, but you don't like swallowing big pills. You don't like taking liquids. Well, it wasn't that. It's that I think at one point I was taking like 12 pills yeah. a day. And, and you were like, if I can just get these injected in. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I would way rather just get hooked up to an IV and just have everything go through the IV. I'm one of those people. Because, so we found yeah. the guy to do that in London, Ontario. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, what was this doing? Dr. Greg Bell. Uh, Dr. Bell? Dr. Bell, yeah. Yeah, I think that's he, what it was. Uh, yeah, I think it's in... Um, it's in London. In London, but uh, more specific, uh, Naren Hyde Park? Park. Maybe I. I yeah, know. I'm so. Oh, sorry, Doctor Bell. Doesn't matter. But he's great, Doctor Bell. <laughs> but he did a food sensitivity test as mm-hmm. well as some vitamin pushes. Yeah. And we wanted to get this done before they started to give you IVIG. Right. Because once you get IVIG, you're own antibodies are mixed in with all the other antibodies from the blood product Mm -hmm. that they're giving you and when you're on prednisone it sort of suppresses your immune system so i remember like the immunologist um was when we did see the immunologist the hematologist as well it was kind of like around the same time right you were you started to um, go off prednisone and your hair started falling out. Like, yeah, really so fast. they were weaning me off. Um, so as you started day. to come down off prednisone, and you had to do that because in order for the CVID diagnosis to happen, they needed to do specific tests on you. They, right. they had to like test you for mumps, rubella, measles, and uh, what was the other one? Chicken pox. Chicken pox. Or, yeah, so the, yeah, rubella, mumps, measles, and chicken pox. And, and like croup or something. Whatever like, those like childhood the diseases ones that you, you get, get immunized for, yeah, <laughs> when you're a child, yeah. because as an adult you should still have the markers, the immune markers for those vaccinations, mm-hmm. and if you don't, it means you're likely immune compromised. Um, another like common thing is to have low IgG. I think it's IgG, low antibodies in mm-hmm. your blood test results. Mm-hmm. And that one is the most obvious one to start looking at autoimmune. If you have low antibodies, it's more than likely an autoimmune problem and you need to go see an immunologist mm-hmm. or, a, or a hematologist and get that looked at. Mm-hmm. And 
you they wanted to wait like six months or three months. I can't remember which one. It was three or six before they did the test because they had you had a, had a blood transfusion. Right. And they needed your sort of system to flush that through and, mm-hmm. and kind of like have your blood be the <laughs> the blood that they were testing, right. not everybody else's blood. Right. And they couldn't start you on the IVIG because they didn't have, you know, the test done. So right. that three to six month process, I remember, was just horrible. Because yeah. your hair was falling out. Yeah. You were having acid reflux problems. You were having reactions to the ranitidine that they prescribed you. We think. You, we still don't even know well, if that's for sure. you blew up into this crazy rash yeah. like, all over your body. Like head to toe rash. And it was like my body was on fire. Like that's what it felt like. So it was itchy and on fire. And I remember I couldn't wear clothes. And I would. I, I think I only went to like my parents for like Sunday lunch. And it was like just having to wear clothes. I I used to have to wear all my clothes inside out because even just the seams like touching my skin was unbearable. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do it. It was, it was, it was terrible. Plus and you were going through like the side effects of the prednisone, mm-hmm. which was the extreme joint pain that mm-hmm. was like your exploding kneecaps. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that you'd be up all night long, yeah. like, screaming in pain. Mm-hmm. Just well, screaming <laughs> gently, <laughs> not gently, but like very classily dealing with it. <laughs> moaning and pain. Moaning like, and pain. Yeah, a trying couple times to be you were screaming, but like not yeah. all night screaming. No, like, no, just uh, it was excruciating pain. Yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just to the point where you'd I'd have to just like hold you, and you would eventually fall yeah. asleep. From what the, a sweet guy! I would fall asleep. Eventually, after like two hours of writhing pain and wake up drooling on you. <laughs> hours later, you would just sit there all night well, with I me in Googling your lap. Stuff. I was yeah, like you were. Research. Well, yeah, and I know. would just fall asleep. Well, that's so wonderful. You're so great. Well, it was like I the only you. thing that could help you fall asleep. Yeah, it was. I remember, it was really great. I remember it was crazy. during that phase trying to like look in to see if we could get morphine drips. Like to you get did. A, I remember that. Get like a getting a nurse to come. to come. Yeah, I do remember that. And I was like, in the U.S., you I'll can do get it. That. <laughs> yeah, you can get that in the states, but in Canada, yeah. it's like I still haven't found it because nothing was working. I mean, I was taking like extra strength, like um, like what's it called, arthritis medications, and it wasn't working, and nothing worked. Nothing. And Tylenol, we even like get, nothing. Like, uh, legal marijuana prescription no and that was another thing do you remember my doctor yeah my family doctor at the time would not give me like we it was just i couldn't believe it how against it they were how they would not get it for me but they weren't like they were it wasn't like that they were against it they weren't openly saying we're not gonna give you this they were just saying we don't think you should have yeah and and they like like, wouldn't refusing to do it yeah and then i straight up asked them like okay are you worried about reputational damage by referring us to this clinic? Because yeah. this is legal, mm-hmm. and this is going to help her. She's well, it wasn't through, legal yet, but it, it was, was like legal, it was legal for medical reasons. Yeah, it was legal yeah. for medical reasons, yeah. and it was like you were obviously qualified. Oh, definitely it. It qualified was, for it. Yeah. And what they ended up doing was like compromising by referring you to something that would give you synthetic no no that didn't even happen oh, no, no you for? had somehow <laughs> I don't oh know. that was my friend yeah, yeah my you had a connection a, my friend and that's how i ended clinics. up getting it that yeah. was the only reason yeah, they, I went would, around they refused the I went, they wouldn't I went around yeah, them because they, they wouldn't, do, wouldn't it. do it yeah it was that was another whole situation where we yeah. just we have a few doozies <laughs> we could go into but that was one of them that was so infuriating um, you know, I'm telling them I've got this extreme pain and no medication is helping. Just trying to get CBD oil. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. We were just yeah, trying to get CBD it. oil. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, something. Any, some like, of some kind of, product. yeah, and they wouldn't. But anyway, then, that during that six-month period, we realized kind of coincidentally that once you stopped the, um, 
once you stopped the anti-acid that they were prescribing you, your symptoms of your skin rashes went away. Yeah, I kind of, I think I just kind of was playing with like, okay, what could it be? And it I think I just thought, it happened, yeah, it happened again on a different... and it started like on my palms, which yeah. is the weird thing. I got this like hand palm rash. It was like palm rash. It was so weird. And I, I remember just being like, okay, what can I eliminate? You know, and I, I was on so many meds. I thought I'll just try getting rid of this. And coincidentally, it did go stop, start going away. So, but even to this day, it's, we assume it was that and yeah. it just happened, but there was so much going on and I was on so much medication that it's, it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly what it was, but that I'm was pretty what sure we suspect it was, it was. It was the antacid yeah because then um when you you got down to a certain level of your prednisone and mm-hmm. it was a few months past like your blood transfusion enough time to do the test for the immunologist mm-hmm. and also for the naturopath to do the food sensitivity test and also for the uh cvid the, no the, that's the immunologist but also for oh. your gastroenterologist they oh, did a right. blood test for celiac disease right. And they had to do all these blood tests while it was your blood because once they started you on, like CVID, I mean, IVIG was going to solve all your problems and make you feel better. But Mm -hmm. you were getting so sick. I was. That I was just so frustrated at the medical system. I was like, why don't you guys Mm -hmm. get your asses in gear? Get your act together (laughs) here. Your ass act. Do these blood tests. Like you're suffering so much. Yeah. And they're just like, no, we got to wait another month. I'm like, that. uh, a month is Mm -hmm. like torture. Mm -hmm. I don't know how people, I mean, there's people with cancer you know, stuff. And they're like, oh, in a month, we'll tell you, you know, I mean, I can't even imagine. I just, yeah, it's, it's, it boggles my mind that uh, there's people dying and they're telling them come back next month or like, you know what I mean? Yes, it's just, it's, it's just like, uh, it can get be pretty infuriating. Yeah. By the end of that month, you had completely lost your eyebrows and your hair. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah. I was like, the hair started falling out in like in, massive in clumps. clumps, like just massive. And I remember, I remember like, it was like, patches and when i think about it now i kind of laugh about it it's not funny at all but when i just think about how i held on to those patches you know and i and i was so like it'll the rest will grow back and then this will like even out i don't know what i was thinking but then you were like like a mohawk yeah it was just and you were like liz like just shave it and i remember you just encouraging me to shave it and saying how uh, with said, each like, clump with yeah like because with each clump i was pulling out you were right it was just prolonging the inevitable i i was gonna lose it and i was just tormenting myself i was like dragging this this process on and so i think finally one of the days i think it took like a month or something of you being like shave it shave it i just pulled out a clump and i just thought okay today's the day and we just i think literally got scissors got a shave buzzer and you shaved my hair you just shaved my head and um i actually felt what i wasn't expecting to feel and i felt so much better which Mm -hmm. was uh, it was funny that i resisted so long because i thought it was going to be this like soul crushing thing but in the end it was awesome because it was like taking control i finally felt like i had to control of it because it was going to fall out and i was prolonging it but this way, I just, I took control. I did it, mm-hmm. got rid of it. And it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. Definitely. Just, just shaving it and being like, that's it. That's done. Moving, yeah. moving on, you know, and obviously I didn't just move on in that second, but, um, and then in hindsight, we should have told our daughter <laughs> before we did it. Cause then she came home from school and I was bald. 
<laughs> which kind of surprised her a little bit. But she, by the end of that day, I think she was like rubbing my my bald head and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, well, she had seen like your hair was falling out, and we had talked to her. About, yeah, like, your yeah, she was kind of. We were preparing her for. So it wasn't that much of a shock. To no, her, I don't think. But no. it was like you know, obviously your hair was falling out for a mm-hmm. month or two. Mm-hmm. It was a process, and it was um. Yeah, but I mean, and then even that, you know, they sent me to the dermatologist for that, and it was, "What are you going to do? Autoimmune?" Like that was kind of the answer. And I'm like, "What do you mean? What are you going to do? Autoimmune? (laughs) It's not. That's not an answer. That's not a diagnosis. But essentially, they said the same thing as everything else. Well, the year your body over is overactive. It attacks itself, and it's probably now attacking your hair follicles, and they're falling out. That's like that's the best description of what I know, or what I have as to why my hair fell out. And you were like getting dermatologists to do steroid injections I into was. your scalp and your eyebrows yeah like because she kind of yeah a year it. before she kind of gave me hope that maybe these steroid injections would help and she was injecting steroid into my scalp with a needle and really into painful. my face <laughs> so into my eyebrows and when I think about it you know and, and I remember the first time she poked me with the needle the first few times she was she was like, oh, my God, you didn't even flinch. Wow, you're a champ. And she was just like going at it with the needle. And I I realized that I know I think I well, I, do, I think I have a little bit higher pain tolerance than most people. But from her reaction, like she was like, most people cry. you know. And I just thought, oh, geez. But when she went at my face into my eyebrow, like, yeah, of course, it was painful. And I remember the spots here on my like sideburn area like when she would do that part that part hurt as well i remember that really hurting but i just thought you know what if this is going to help the hair grow because at that point i was really living in this thinning too it wasn't yeah yeah and i was really living with you know like it's not going to fall out it's going to be good like i'm gonna it's gonna be fine like these steroid injections are going to be it you know this is going to work and unfortunately like everything else they throw at me it's a it's a quick fix kind of thing but it's it's not it's not uh fixing the overall problem Right. And, and it didn't it didn't fix the overall problem. I don't know if it maybe helped a few strands of hair grow back, but it really did nothing. And I went through all that and in the end ended up shaving it anyway. So that second time and, you came off prednisone, the mm-hmm. longer time mm-hmm. after the first autoimmune hemolytic anemia attack, <laughs> Waha attack, mm-hmm. <laughs> this for the that that was like. Coming off the prednisone was what caused your hair to fall out at a much accelerated pace. Mm -hmm. And it must have been the shock of, like, what you had just gone through. Mm -hmm. The prednisone was kind of, like, like. And for anyone that doesn't know, a a prednisone is an immune-suppressing drug, but it's, like, a steroid. And it basically shuts off your immune system, um, essentially. So, for me, my body was attacking, destroying my red uh, blood cells. By giving me the prednisone, it kind of stopped my body from being able to attack itself. So just yeah. kind of throwing that out there. And yeah. as you came off, and they never explained this to us at all. We oh, no. Of, we yeah, I didn't know. Ourselves. And I had been on prednisone, like I said before, and I didn't realize because we, I had been on it for such a short period of time. And I felt no symptoms. So I thought, oh, yeah, prednisone. You know, I didn't really think anything of it when they said they were going to put me on it. But, uh, oh, boy, did but I the- learn finally we got the blood tests done we got them all three of the blood tests done your uh you got your scope done for for the gastroenterologist to confirm whether or not it was celiac disease Mm -hmm. you got the cvid blood test sort of uh, vaccine test done Mm -hmm. um and the general sort of blood test from from the hematologist and the rheumatologist too to to could do the dat test and stuff to right. talking about uh, lupus and then they were like confirmed to put you on monthly ivig and that was like the miracle drug for 
your condition. Mm-hmm. And they should have had you on it much sooner, and they should have, you know, should have what yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that um, in the U.S. costs, what is it, like a hundred to $200,000 a year? I, I don't, I don't want to quote it, but like twelve hundred, fifteen hundred a year, uh, a time, I think. No, a thousand. I think it's like 12000 or something. Um, over yeah, but I think each a, a, time, a each time though, you yeah. they go. I think it's twelve hundred to fifteen hundred. We're we're throwing this out here anyway. <laughs> if somebody knows, you I can let us know. But seeing um, on Google that, or not Google, but one of the support groups that somebody had to mortgage their house. To yeah. Their oh yeah, for ID sure. Well, know? if you think about it, if it's if it's a thousand, I think it's like twelve to fifteen hundred if you have the specific medical insurance in the U.S. But if you don't, if you don't have medical insurance at all, and you have to pay them like cost of the drug. It's mm-hmm. pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, we've we've between. um we've lucked out there because it's covered for me. The, yeah. So for yeah. all the complaints that we can have with the yeah, Canadian medical I know, system, exactly. Like, you're getting this miracle treatment mm-hmm. for free. Mm-hmm. So it like it's the a dilemma, right? Like mm-hmm. ha- you can't really badmouth the system when I know it the, is. It is. The, it's the, the exception of the rule that like for all the shit that we have to go through yeah. and put up with all these mm-hmm. doctors and like eight years of not getting diagnosed mm-hmm. sucks and hopefully that'll get improved through artificial intelligence and, like <laughs> assistance and stuff like that <laughs> you still get the free yeah and i mean that's why i say like throughout and at the beginning like you know it's just our experience it's just what we went through we have no like we're, we're not against you know the medical field or doctors or like the hospitals you know like we're not against that it's just this is what we've gone through and it sucks it's a lot of the stuff but at the same time, there are the good points, like anything in life, you know, there's there's good and bad sides to it. But that's definitely one of the best sides for us is that that's taken care of. And that's a huge weight off of yeah. us. We don't have to deal with that. I do have to pay $12 parking every time I go. But hey, I can handle that. <laughs> I can handle the $12 and, parking you know, every time I go to, to get for, that for free. We have to pay for your medicines. Yeah, um, I do have to pay for my medications. Because now yeah. you're on more. You're on uh, well, yeah. well, I guess we can go to the next phase of what you're... Yeah, so I mean, I guess technically I was diagnosed with CVID. That was 2017 um, Yeah, so common variable immune deficiency. I mean, we could talk about it for hours, but if you want to just Google it, that's probably the fastest way yeah. to kind of do it. But anyway, common variable immune deficiency, CVID. I don't even know how much of a diagnosis that is for me because in my case, it still doesn't really answer the question of why it all happened or why it happens. Or they don't even know why... Why your hair is falling out because of um, prednisone and why prednisone stops it and your why your um, acid reflux stops when you're on prednisone. Yeah, so prednisone is this like slippery slope and someone called it, um, I'm on a support group and someone calls it the, the devil's tic-tac. <laughs> it's like this drug you love to hate because it solves so many issues that people have, but then it's got so many intense, crazy side effects that it's... Um, almost not even worth it at the same time but for so many people and for me we needed it kind of to survive you know it's it's you have no choice and it does so many amazing things on one hand on the other hand it can be really catastrophic for some people it it causes some really serious issues so it's yeah it's definitely one of those drugs you, you love to hate and um but yeah so i'm i'm so on your timeline though yeah 2016 Fifteen sixteen is when you had your first autoimmune hemolytic anemia attack where you had to get your transfusion. Mm-hmm. And then was it 2017 when it happened again? 
two um, years later. No, it was, yeah, when did we go to Portugal? We took a family trip to Portugal. Um, or 17. When was my brother married? Because it was the year after, 2017. Wait. Yeah, I think it was 2017. Yeah, we, we took a family trip to Portugal. Everything was good. I was completely bald at this point, but I had accepted it. I had, so from that major rash that I had had, it had left yeah, scarring on my skin, so I looked like a cheetah. And, um... Which, by the way, speaking of bedside manner, which you mentioned before, when the my dermatologist basically said to me, "You're going to be bald forever, and your skin is always going to be spotted," because I had these this um hyperpigmentation, like head to toe, like scarring, and she just said it flat out, like, "Yeah, sorry, you're always going to be bald, and you're always going to have these massive discolorations on your skin." Bye, you know. And I kind of had to process that whole, um, and I completely get it. Every doctor can't have a loving you know, genuine relationship with you. They're seeing like how many patients a day, but this was no, <laughs> there was no gentle, you know, um, this was like ripping the bandaid, like rip. This is your life yeah, now. No, Accept no it. emotional mm-hmm. support at no. all or anything. It's just like, you'll never have hair again. Yeah. Deal with this. Yeah. And you're going to be scarred. Your skin's going to be scarred with these big, horrible splotches your whole life. Bye. You know? So I think, um, I basically went out to the car. I, I cried, called you and then cried for an hour in the car. And then I got over it and drove away. But, that's how I mentally processed it. Um, but we went into Portugal. I was kind of coming off like that, basically. Like, I just, I had scars on my skin. And I remember she said... I remember telling you, too, though, on that phone call that, like, it's possible. But, like, yeah. doctors have been wrong so many times. Exactly, yeah. Don't take what she says And I remember heart. you saying, like, don't, like, lose hope because someone, some this one doctor told you, you'll never have it again, you know, and I, and that, that really meant a lot to me. And I, that is something that I've definitely taken forward with me. That conversation always sticks out in my, in my mind. Like when I, when I look back, mm-hmm. like I, I'll never forget that moment and that, that conversation that we had and over the phone when I was crying in the parking lot. But there was, that was, that was a great thing that you did for me too. Like, um, yeah, having you there to call and have comfort me is a really special thing. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I love you. I'll put it on my bill. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Add is the bill. Um, but where are we going with so that? So you, you ended up coming back from Portugal. Right. So we went to Portugal with the family and we had an amazing time. Or that was we. like an incredible trip. And uh, But the, the day before we left, a few days before we left, I started to feel that strange kind of feeling again, that fatigued feeling that was really familiar to me. Um, and I kind of knew instantly, I thought, oh no, it's happening again. This is happening again. And you were I getting the acid reflux again were so bad where mm-hmm. you couldn't drink water before. Yeah. Like you'd drink water and you'd feel like you'd had to throw up. Yeah. The water. Yeah. And I, and I, that tiredness feeling started to happen. And I remember we were at that botanical gardens with the really nice, I wish I knew the name of it now with the, uh, hot springs and in the Azores, if you haven't gone, you need to go. It's amazing. But anyway, um, and I didn't get in the water. I just felt so insane. And I kind of, and I knew it was happening again. I, I just knew. And I, I didn't want to freak everybody out. So I remember, I think I just like, we went to the entrance, had this like welcome lounge or something. And we sat on a bench and I fell asleep on your lap. I like passed out in the middle of this like botanical garden on a bench <laughs> with you <laughs> and my family. Then they were kind of like, okay, what's going on? It's not easy to pass out on a bench, but I was exhausted. And then I said, you know, I think something's happening and thankfully we were flying home the next day yeah so but uh that was another thing like we landed we came home and we went to the hospital and i walked in and i said i think my hemoglobin's 50 <laughs> and i'll never forget that the nurse was kind of like an emerge she was like huh you know what i mean like just kind of looking at me like i was crazy because typically if your hemoglobin's 50 you're like dead to the world you're just you can't really function 
And here I am walking in, you know, talking to her, telling her my hemoglobin's 50 and she's looking at me like I'm nuts. And, uh, and that's another thing. I, I always stay calm and I always stay cool and collected, but that can sometimes work against me in those kinds of emergency situations because they look at me and they see me calm and cool and collected and they think there's nothing wrong with this person mm-hmm. when I'm actually going through some like life threatening thing, you know, and in that moment that was happening, like I was like, no, like this is serious. You need to like, you know, but because I wasn't hysterical, she, she just was like that. But I think they did test my blood and it was, yeah, it was 50 and, uh, into emerge yeah into emerge i go and that second time so they they do refer to it as relapse and remission so i had been in remission and then i relapsed essentially was what this was and the rheumatologist the uh, hematologist had told us that earlier that year that typically what happens is about every two years you'll relapse Relapse. Mm -hmm. unless your body sort of gets better some people can be in remission for their whole life Mm -hmm. um but for some, she yeah she said that she felt my pattern would be every two years and, and they said that like the next step would be i think to take your pancreas out right uh no spleen your spleen <laughs> spleen yeah. yeah not pancreas um so yeah uh if we wanted to go there if you wanted mm-hmm. to stop that from happening the cycle yeah, yeah. if if it was going to be but a continuous cycle to even stop no it's not it. and then you have to live without a spleen yeah. so i my my last thing i don't want to take the spleen out but i know for a lot of people they take the spleen out and it's exactly what they needed to do it's everyone's path is different right for me i i don't really want to go that route if i don't have to but so i went in and actually that was a scary situation too because they didn't actually have blood for me um and it had to be a very specific blood because of antibodies yeah, once you and, get, like, with your condition, you have autoimmune reactions to things. Mm-hmm. You got a blood transfusion, and they say that you have now blood antibodies to, to specific Exactly. So every time you get blood, so your body builds up antibodies. A different type of blood mm-hmm. that's still within your blood type, but, mm-hmm. like, it's a different, it's got a different antibodies. It has to be screened for all these, like, antibody markers. Yeah, exactly. And so, they couldn't find one. It was yeah. like, well, we were in the hospital for, like, 12 hours overnight or something. It was overnight. Yeah, so they actually had to, like, somebody had to, like, bring it in a cooler in a van and, like, drive it from, like, Brampton or something. Yeah to me yeah. and i remember my mom was with me at the time where were you now at this there. point i was with leah Beth. oh that's right you I stayed with, with our daughter, daughter in between, but I came in between like, it was yeah it was like both switch. um but uh like i came in with you yeah and, and then, then you left and then doing... there was a switch yeah and then i remember my mom was there at the time when they came in to discuss the blood and she said um and my mom was clearly like like upset and she said well what if the blood doesn't come like my here i am my hemoglobin's dropping it's at 50 and they don't have blood to give me you know like it was a scary situation i mean they gave me the prednisone but i needed the blood so my mom was like well what happens if the blood doesn't come you know like oh and then they basically said if that happens we just give her whatever blood we have here and pump pump her full of steroids like the most steroids i can give you and so that was like uh okay you know like here i am like that's basically my only option right now. It's like, so you don't die. We're going to pump you full of steroids and give you whatever blood we can find. Like that's, that's scary. That's scary. You know? And, um, of course me being who I was, I was trying to be brave and strong because my mom was there and I didn't want her to be hysterical, you know? But I mean, I never, I never gave my chance myself a chance to kind of, you know, I didn't want to be hysterical, but just like feel the emotions. Probably I should have been processing instead of just putting on a brave face for everybody, which is a whole other issue and a whole other podcast too. (laughs) But that kind of was going on as well but it it all worked out the blood came the guy drove it from brampton i think it was something and i got the blood and then that's when me and you really started considering rituximab 
Um, well, we had spoken about it um, in 2016 at the Salt Lake City IDF conference. Right. We had gone the to a... Deficiency Foundation. Yes. The Immunodeficiency Foundation has a conference every year in the U.S. Some were different in the U.S. And we had gone to the one in Salt Lake City, Utah. And we had met some specialists, some immunologists yeah. there. And we had heard about this... Infu- or what is it considered, it's I guess? A, a, it's a drug. It's a drug, inf- but it's done by um, IV. Yeah. It's an infusion um, called rituximab. And we had been floating around with that idea. But yet again, here's another situation where we had to go to the doctor and say, we want this thing. And the first, before you relapsed, we asked them if you should, we should look into taking that. We asked mm-hmm. the hematologist that. Mm-hmm. And she said no. She said that we're not there Right, and then maybe after that's what it you was. Relapsed, yeah. We asked again about it because she was mm-hmm. talking about okay, maybe next step is to take out your spleen. Right, she was going to the spleen and territory. Yeah, <laughs> I remember saying again, okay, well, there's genetic testing we can do, and what about rituximab or any other type of drugs? Like, what other drugs can we take? And she was saying, oh, again, she was like kind of negative towards. No, it. I think. She I was think, like, no, it's, you know, we won't be able to get the funding for it because you're not a cancer patient. Because rituximab is covered in Canada for cancer treatment, but not for blood. Yeah, that's what it was. And then we were like, well, why can't we just pay for it? And I was like, yeah, it doesn't matter what the cost yeah, is. Yeah, and she like, was like, oh, oh, you'd pay for it? And we were like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, it was just the weirdest, uh, like, she didn't even bring it up or wasn't going to mention it because she just assumed yeah. we wouldn't want to pay for it. And I'm thinking to myself, what person who could die from something wouldn't want to pay for a drug that could potentially save them. I mean, a lot it of people just, can't afford They can't, it. but they but would so, try. So in Canada, it's like, in the States, that would probably be on the table all the time. It would be mm-hmm. like, here's your options, here's the cost. But in Canada, it's like, most people, the way that our health system works, you're kind of like trained to get everything for free. So when you have to pay for something, it's like people revolt against that or they just can't do it they just mm-hmm. can't afford to pay mm-hmm. for it because it's crazy i guess expensive. that's true i can't put words into everybody's mouth me myself i felt like even if i didn't have the funds to pay for it i would find a way i think you she know? told us afterwards that she just doesn't like to give that option to people because it gives them hope and then they can't afford it and then it's just she shouldn't have said it in the first place because they can't afford to get it because it's twelve thousand dollars but i almost feel like i guess this is just like i'm just that type of person but i would be like i'm gonna figure it out you know right. i'd like throw some kind of dance or something to raise money for or go fund me or something you know but i guess not everybody has that same mentality but for me it was a no-brainer like what but she totally did change her sort of tone with us and her way of like interacting with us and talking to us once we said that we would just pay for that oh yeah like i said like don't worry about um because she was saying we'll try to apply for the grant yeah and we were like don't worry we'll just pay for it yeah you can get that that's great but no pressure yeah because she was like this is gonna be great this is gonna work for you and i was like what like total change in um, and then after we talked to the rheumatologist about it and he's like that's the miracle drug for autoimmune disorders and stuff yeah yeah it was like not even in the conversation before before we before we brought, brought it, up. it up the second time after the relapse it was now we'll pay for it and then it was like oh yes let's do this let's yeah do and this. again like i love my my hematologist i genuinely do love her you know what i mean it's and I, it's just it's this cog this weird kind of system of things that you know what i mean it's it's crazy but anyway she's actually really wonderful and i i do really love her but um Again, I, like I wait in that waiting room for four hours to see her. She's seeing like so many people. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's kind of impossible for her to be like you know on top of everything. But 
um, it is frustrating that we had to kind of bring that and we had to get for it. But it just it just goes to show that you have to be proactive in your own health and you have to keep researching and, and keep pushing forward because nobody is going to do that. And if you just slack off and you don't care and you put it to the to the side, guess what? That's where it's going to stay because they're too busy um, unless for some reason you found some amazing uh, doctor who will do all those things for you which i'm sure they're out there mm-hmm. i haven't had the pleasure of meeting one of those but if you do you're so lucky you hold on to that person but mm-hmm. it's just you really have to take it into your own hands and push for it you know it's it's so important and when you have children who are sick especially you have to be that person for them and, and teach them those things like i was a sick child and you know my mom took me doctor doctor to doctor to doctor you know and and always kind of question things and and now i'm i'm kind of trying to push forward and and things like that but i'm also very lucky to have you who have been doing that for me in times when i couldn't you know necessarily do it for myself i'm an entrepreneur so i just kind of like have that mindset of wanting to figure things out and like solve problems and and like the entrepreneur mindset or whatever took over for this i i sort of treated this like it was a uh, a business problem or whatever i was just like i need to figure out how this can be solved and you know most even canadians don't realize that your health records are yours you own your health records mm-hmm. they sh- they have to give you your health records mm-hmm. and most people think like there's some secret like you can't get your health <laughs> records but like when you get a scan or an x-ray or a blood test or whatever there's always a record of that, and they sometimes put notes on there, and they draw mm-hmm. like you do have to pay to get them. You got to pay a little bit you, of money, but still. But like we got all of your medical oh, records from. Oh, and the, from the treasure trove of information we found from those. Back let me tell to when you. you were even a kid. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't. You know, they were so surprised. They were like, "Do you want all these records? Mm-hmm, it's they be really were fifty dollars. Are you sure? I'm yeah. Like, yes, I want all the records. <laughs> you know, they're like, "Oh, why? Yeah, it was a weird thing." And it wasn't until we went back and looked at the 2013 event, the ITP thing, that mm-hmm. that I actually saw on there that in the notes the doctor had put it mm-hmm. was ITP. Mm-hmm. And, and with the scope that I had done, the they huge, didn't tell you it was ITP. They had wrote that I had microscopic colitis, which I didn't know because yeah, no one so, told me. So that I, was another thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. After that, it was like, oh, they didn't tell you you had microscopic colitis. This was the blood te- the blood test and the colonoscopy and whatever the endoscopy that you mm-hmm. had done mm-hmm. for the for the the gastroenterologist before you went on IVIG and he ruled out celiac disease and said you didn't have celiac disease anymore but then there's there's a type of celiac disease that I researched that you can still have celiac disease it's called refractory celiac disease I think Mm -hmm. and it's five percent of people have it even if the test that he ran shows negative Mm -hmm. and you've got to confirm it by doing a different type of test Mm -hmm. and microscopic colitis was on there as well which is another form of bowel inflammation that he didn't mention that to us and i asked him about refractory celiac disease and he was just like no but then also immunologist also though the um immunologist had said that symptoms of celiac disease can be very similar to the symptoms of cvid yeah so they can mask their their like um having to do with like the villi and your and your intestine all that stuff all that stuff is actually similar mm-hmm. so when he found that out the gastroenterologist i almost feel like he was like oh yeah that's what it is that's exactly. what it is you know like and, and i was just like well like let's calm our jets here a little bit you know let's make sure that that's but he was convinced like nope they said you have cvid that's the there's similar symptoms that's what it is it's not celiac disease it's that 
you know but then it kind of came back to oh but you could still have like sensitivity you know all that stuff yeah and but but anyway the microscopic colitis thing we only discovered after we got the records and read wrote read that he wrote i have microscopic colitis but never once did anybody tell us that Mm-hmm. And it's like they had asked me in the hospital, actually, the first time all this happened, have you ever had an enlarged spleen? And I said, no, like never. Like, And we found in those records that a doctor had written at one point in my life, I had an enlarged spleen. And I remember just thinking to myself, why at no point did anybody communicate this to me? It's written here, plain to see, enlarged patient has enlarged spleen. But no one told me that. It's just... I really don't, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so the thing, I really like, don't get it. The thing is, like, why I'm talking about artificial intelligence, right, is because <sighs> artificial intelligence <laughs> is taking all the knowledge of, of of all these specialists and stuff and, and, like, processing your medical records and processing your blood test results and coming into a decision tree, basically, like, running through a decision tree. Like, is this person x blood type does this person have low or high antibodies does this person have enlarged spleen does this person mm-hmm. you know like looking at all the data right. and then through they, they used to do this back in i think it was the 80s or 90s it was called specialized knowledge and they would they would like transcribe knowledge from specialists and try to like program it into a computer system but the computers weren't fast enough back then to really make use of of that but now the computers are so fast that you can take all the world's knowledge and machines can diagnose people faster than specialists can mm-hmm. 99.9% of the time for things like um op, like visual recognition of cancer through ct scans or mm-hmm. or whatever and like this is going to happen and artificial intelligence is going to change the medical field and doctors are just going to have to deal with it because a lot of them are are or were resistant in the last 4 or 5 years but Artificial intelligence is going to change the way that people get diagnosed. Um, with your specific case, all those medical records that you had, it was obvious you had an autoimmune disorder. Mm-hmm. If an AI like algorithm had just done a five-second sort through your medical data, looked at your blood tests, saw your data, mm-hmm. it would say, go see immunologist, you likely have autoimmune disorder because you have low antibodies in your blood. Mm-hmm. It would take five seconds for, for an AI to diagnose that. Mm-hmm. And it took eight years for you to get that because your general doctor doesn't have the specialized knowledge that your specialist did. Mm-hmm. And even your specialist didn't really know that. Mm-hmm. So w- whatever, if it's red tape or just resistance to change or whatever, there's programs out there like IBM Watson that... Um, if you're maybe at a, a really high tech hospital in the States or something, they use artificial intelligence now to assist the doctors for diagnosis and stuff like that. But it just needs to become more widely adopted. It's, it's going to save people's lives and increase their quality of life. Mm-hmm. Because if you had of had like this, diagnosis eight years ago you wouldn't have lost your hair you'd be so you'd have so much better quality of life Mm -hmm. because you'd be on ivig eight years ago and you wouldn't have had to go on prednisone so much yeah and you wouldn't have had two like attacks for Mm -hmm. your system to go through this shock right but now because of you know technology we're we're gonna have it's like the future is bright is basically the way i look Mm -hmm. at it 
between that and like all the crazy stuff that's happening with gene editing and CRISPR and immunotherapy. Yeah, it's everything. exciting to think where um, we could be heading with all that and just, it's just even diagnosis. Of doctors are so in resistant to change, though. Some doctors. Some, <laughs> most of, like, uh, actually, let's not generalize. I'd say 90% of the doctors that we've talked to and we've talked exactly. to Exactly, and doctors, like I said, it's our experience, you and know, mostly, and, and no doubt there are doctors out there who do care and are invested, but in our experience. I don't um, think it's that they don't care either. I think it's just that, well, we even had the conversation with your general, with your GP doctor, whatever, because I was trying to get, I was looking into this specific gene that could could be causing your your CVID problem Mm -hmm. and there's an autoimmune panel that this company Invitae does. Mm -hmm. These are like a genetic, a new sort of genetic company in the States and the test is like 300 bucks or something. And they do a, a genetic panel, um, on these specific genes related to autoimmune disorders. And it's 300 bucks, like to get answers. Even if we get the answer, we can't do a treatment. At least you have an answer, right? If you have this gene, Mm-hmm. this deformation of this gene or whatever that causes specific sort of CVID symptoms, mm-hmm. at least we know and then we can keep up to date on the research and, and potential cures for this, therapies for this uh, this gene. Mm-hmm. To try to get the Canadian doctors to refer us to a U.S. Yeah, it was, was two impossible. Years. Yeah. Two years and finally... But it finally, wasn't even until we got to the geneticist. Yeah, finally we got into the geneticist yeah. after waiting like a year and a half or mm-hmm. something and then... Mm-hmm. Well, we asked for two years. Yeah. Then they finally were like, okay, now you have to wait two years to get an appointment. That's what initially happened. But yeah. then because this geneticist had another doctor come on, we only had to wait a year. Yeah, but we had already waited. But essentially like it was like a, a three-year process. Yeah, two, to three two years, years before that, yeah. And then finally they're doing the test, but they're not doing it with Invitae. They're doing it with another one. With but, another one, but, but still, it's, it's, it's the same like, process, basically. Invitae is like a much more like broader 200 and something gene mm-hmm. panel that you can get done. This one's like... It's just basically years. frustrating because it's like even if you know or suspect what you have, they it's set up to make it so complicated for you to even get the answers that you need to move forward. Yeah, the G, the, the general it's, doctor like wouldn't refer us to Invitae. Mm-hmm. The specialists mm-hmm. wouldn't refer us to Invitae. Yeah. Like the because of all legal things, I don't know. Like, and it's not even legal. It's just the way that the system kind of works here. And I was asking them like, why won't you guys do this? What's the reason? Didn't he say? I thought she said it's she legal said reasons. If you don't like follow up with the test you know like when you refer somebody as a doctor when you refer somebody to get a test you're expected to follow up on it mm-hmm. and because she didn't have any knowledge in oh that that's right area, she would have had to follow up she and they... couldn't follow up yes and i think it was because i started to persist so much against to like all of your doctors like all, yeah. like three or four of your doctors to be like let's we need this test i want this test i'm gonna pay for it myself but you don't have to be involved at all we just need a note basically to let mm-hmm. us you know do it then finally, like, they fast-tracked the referral, mm-hmm. and then we got to see the geneticist. Well, I think it's just it got fast-tracked because she had another doctor come in to the, like, practice. I think it was her. also because I was bugging them so much. Yeah, so. and probably that, too, because you're good at that. <laughs> you ever need tips on how to harass your doctors till they get you in quick? Brad's your man. Yeah, but it's not, like, aggressive. It's <laughs> no, just it's like, not. It's like a really, it's like a really kind, gentle, uh, like, um, <laughs> persistence. persistence that kind of wins them over after a while because it's just like they realize this or guy ain't like, going yeah, anywhere yeah, I it's not yeah it. it's not like you don't harass them you're not angry you're not mean or upset you're like really kind about it so it's it's but you're just persistent kind but persistent yeah yeah definitely you weren't aggressive at all but that's the main thing about it is like if you have something that you want to try yourself then they don't know about that they won't be 
wanting to refer you to get that done because they they have to follow up and if they don't know about it they can't follow up and i guess they don't want to get in trouble for not following up or whatever mm -hmm. but it's not like a legal thing because you can't sue your doctor in canada i'm mm -hmm. pretty sure mm -hmm. that's the trade-off we get for having free health care is you give up the rights to sue your doctor uh no i think people sue doctors yeah or is it the hospital they sue i think it's the hospitals i don't know but uh, i've heard of people suing I don't know. We're not. We're, yeah. We don't know any of this territory. So let's just let's just evacuate. Well, I'm pretty sure that's like yeah. one of people. The I know people who've here. had you know situations with doctors where they've you know I'm something's sure happened possible. and they yeah. But there's a they, high bar. Um, I'm just gonna Google it right now. Yeah, maybe you should do that because <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure people have sued doctors before. But I don't know if it goes through the hospital or some kind of other system. But you definitely can if it's something extreme or causes the death of somebody like you know, where, the, where it was the doctor's fault. Like, um, it looks yeah. like you can sue, um, private practices. But anyways, anyway, there's, you can, in the U S like doctors have to get insurance. They have to specifically get like malpractice insurance because mm -hmm. the, the States is very litigious where people sue for a lot of different things, a mm -hmm. lot more, commonly mm -hmm. than in, in canada yeah um in canada if you sue frivolously like if a if a lawyer sues somebody frivolously they can actually lose their license right so in canada doctor or um, lawyers take on suits less frequently because they can lose their license and in canada we get free health care so i think we we, we we waive some sort of our rights to suing mm -hmm. because it's free mm -hmm. but in the states it's not like that and doctors get can get sued so they need malpractice insurance a lot you know more mm -hmm. than than here mm -hmm. but uh maybe that's why they just refuse to refer you to a lot of things because maybe they also don't want to get in legal trouble yeah that's i think it is i think it is a lot of that stuff there's a lot of legal stuff involved and they just it's a headache and they don't want to deal with it and and why would they they don't know me <laughs> that's the other thing like it's just my life but it's only my life to me and those right. who love me, right? I'm, I'm just another person to them. That seems harsh, but I mean, in the reality, yeah. it can feel like that a lot of the times, you know, you, you just feel like another yeah, you, person walking through the door and... Um, you're not the customer, right? You're yeah. the box on the Amazon treadmill in the factory. <laughs> like, you just... Yeah. You know, you know don't get emotionally yeah. attached to this, this box of weights on yeah, order. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This meat sack. Yeah, this is a meat sack get, on the conveyor belt. Don't get emotionally attached. Don't get attached. emotionally attached. Yeah, no emotion. Don't but show some any. Of, some of your specialists like turned around after a while and yeah, I really like some of them now. Exactly. And I and I think that the bottom line is I want somebody that's going to listen to me. And I have a few of them that really do that. And, and that to me is important. I just want to be heard. I want to feel like they're listening to me. And even if they disagree with me, that's totally okay. It's not the disagreeing that makes me angry. It's when I'm not even being heard and I'm not even allowed to speak or, or be listened to. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed to talk. And with a few of them, that's been the case. But I have a few who I really genuinely love right now who, who let me speak, mm -hmm. um, come back with what they think should be done but kind of let me kind of guide it as well. And and that's so important. You and know, they're to willing be like, to like let you try different things. Yeah, yeah. It's like a team. It's more of a team, which it is. It should be, you know, and, and that I appreciate. That's something that I think is really important. I don't want to just be the meat sack, you know, in the chair that they're throwing the drug at. Like, here, this will fix, fix you for now. Like, let's just deal with your relapse whenever it happens in whatever years. But anyway, like talking about relapses, I had my rituximab in November 
what was that two years ago yeah so we've been officially two years in november it's it's, uh two years as of of now of now like coming up coming coming up and back from portugal in 2017 was august 2017 oh that's right and that's when you got the blood transfusion again and went back on prednisone but now the the thing that's different this time is you were off prednisone for at least a year Mm -hmm. and you were just getting IVIG mm-hmm. before you had your relapse. Right. Now you're still on prednisone two years later. Yeah. So the six-month taper process after the 2017 relapse mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> combined with rituximab. So the different the difference was we added rituximab in. Mm-hmm. You got that done in November, and it was typically that's for cancer patients to get before chemotherapy or in conjunction in conjunction conjunction with chemotherapy Mm -hmm. and rituximab is like a drug that shuts down your immune system or part of it a part of it isn't it like a t-cell inhibitor yeah i think it's a t-cell inhibitor yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um and then they inject the chemotherapy Mm -hmm. drug Mm -hmm. or do the radiation or whatever but Mm -hmm. so you had it where you were just getting hooked up to the iv Mm -hmm. once a week for four weeks and you know we had to pay for the drug ourselves right and you didn't get chemotherapy, obviously, but no, you got this. But I got this to, to do this. And it's supposed to yeah. shut your immune system down for how long? Like this two specific years? part of your immune system for whatever. Like some people get 10 years remission. Some people get 20. Some people get two years. You know, it it, it's just, yeah, it depends on the individual person. Like we're hoping for like the 20 plus, right, is what we're hoping yeah. for. But at this point, it's just a waiting game, basically. So and you've, got, uh, you've got like... A mystery illness that we still aren't 100% sure it's IVIG, but mm-hmm. IVIG treatment is helping sorry, you. Sorry, you mean CVID? CVID, yeah. sorry. <laughs> but, but, the, but the IVIG is helping you. Right. But and they and they say regardless, the, the IVIG is I should be getting anyway because yeah. of my symptoms. Um, but then, too, the rituximab uh, is apparently has been a success, so they but say. But it's hard to measure that, right? But you it don't is. Know, like, don't know if rituximab works. No, she but... says it was a success, but I'm like, how do you know that? She <laughs> Basically, says it's a success, and so does, so does uh, the rheumatologist. Yeah. She also says right. But basically, in my opinion, the only way of knowing that is to see how long I go with before I relapse again. But you're also now, because we got referred to a good rheumatologist in 2018, and you started trying different hmm rheumatological drugs right yeah um you st- what was the first one you tried that didn't work a batacept uh no i never actually tried a batacept i'm on um i'm currently on plaquenil oh cellcept as well and i'm on cellcept as yeah. well so what happened was i started plaquenil, started plaquenil and yeah. didn't really see a difference but he feels so you're like weaning off of plaquenil well no he's keeping me on it he 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 feels like it's subtly working in the background and he thinks I should stay on it. Oh really? And then he's added in Celsept. Yeah. I missed that. Yeah. So I'm I'm currently taking those plus the prednisone, but the goal is to get off the prednisone for good. Yeah. Um which is going to be tricky because the the last real time I tried to get off prednisone or sorry, <laughs> the first real time I tried to get off prednisone, they stopped me at 10 milligrams. And if anyone's taken prednisone, you know you have to wean off of it so strict and with my body i get side effects to everything and i didn't and they stopped me at 10 and i didn't know the difference and i got something called adrenal crisis adrenal crisis um so or adrenal insufficiency um so i i basically like had to go to hospital with like drug withdrawal symptoms basically and i was so sick and they had to put me back on it and then rewean me off and i mean it can take seven months to wean off of seven milligrams 
of prednisone. And I, so I this remember, is a this is a long process. I remember wondering and like asking them to do a slower taper, and they were just like, "No, this will work." Yeah, I do remember that, and, and that we didn't know the difference. I didn't know the difference. And, and it was like I had just seen like weaning schedules when i was doing research and stuff and i was like okay mm-hmm. well 60 to 50 50 to 40 40 30 like that makes sense yeah but then once but you then get lower zero yeah is insane no it is so the way the prednisone works is it it's like a replacement for the cortisol production mm-hmm. in your body so prednisone stops your body from producing cortisol. cortisol and then if you just go from 10 milligrams of prednisone to zero milligrams mm-hmm. of prednisone, you're getting no cortisol. Right, your, body, your, your adrenal system is not producing cortisol. Yeah. And you were Because it has to slowly have to kick back in. It you has were to start pickle working juice. on its own. That yeah. was the weirdest thing. I was. Thing. The weirdest thing was... You're so drinking like, pickle juice. My body needed salt. And I remember I was drinking like the ju- the juice out of the pickle jar. And I think I drank an entire you jar. You drank an entire jar over like a day juice. or something. Yeah. And I was like, what the heck is yeah. going and on? Yeah, and I was and like, I just want pickle juice. You felt like kind of fluish. Yeah. And then so we went in and... But I... Well, I was fluish for like a week. I'm so bad. And I just thought, I'm just... It's just my body trying to purge the drugs. And I thought I was just going through some kind of drug withdrawal and I'd be fine after a week. But then we quickly realized when I was like, like, so brutally sick, you were like, no, we're going to the hospital. And I went and then it was this extreme thing, which is actually extremely dangerous. And it was never explained to us. So now I'm currently weaning off again and it's a very long process, but I mean, I'm okay to have it a long process because it needs to be slow. Well, the doctor in the, in, in the hospital was even thinking about giving you a cortisol injection in your ad- abdomen. That's remember? right. Yeah. I do but remember never that. ended up going back and to that because they did the He did talk stuff. about having adrenal, um, adrenal insufficiency, wasn't it? Adrenal insufficiency, but, uh, yeah, now shoot, I'm going to totally butcher this too, but I think it's like, um, you can have adrenal insufficiency like long-term. Yeah. I think where it's just, it never picks back up. But I think because mine kicked back in or mm. something like that. Yeah, they did a test. And mm-hmm. They said it was fine. Um, functioning after a while. Yeah. So but that was so like six months of, uh, six months to a year of like no prednisone, just IVIG. Mm-hmm. And you were good. Yeah. But then it started to wear off. You had a reflux. Well, I had no hair. Your hair fell out completely. And I started to get yeah. the reflux thing again. And your reflux started to come back. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we were in Portugal, you had lost a bunch of weight, like probably 20 oh, pounds. Oh, man. I was I was a hundred and... I was probably 104, 104. pounds. Yeah. Which and is like, really... for you, like, uh, up to, like, down to 104, 5 to 115 or something like that for I'm your short. age and your height is yeah. not alarmingly but i when i looked at pictures and when i saw myself i definitely thought oh god like i looked unhealthy in my opinion i i I looked like someone who was going through something (laughs) yeah i mean like you can look fit and then you can look like you had you can't eat Mm -hmm. because you were you you were not able to eat Mm -mm. and you were eating but like you were getting so much problems with acid reflux that it was becoming stressful for you to eat anything Mm -hmm. just the thought of eating food was like a mental stressor it was drinking water you were dehydrated you couldn't drink Mm -hmm. water and stuff Mm -hmm. it was crazy yeah but then you know we had the relapse and did the treatment for that and then two months later did the rituximab treatment Mm -hmm. or three months later in november Mm -hmm. 2017 and then you slowly chart, started to wean off of prednisone again. And into 2018, once you started to come off prednisone again, your hair started to fall out again and you started getting the acid reflux again. Yes. 
but your blood numbers were fine. Mm -hmm. So that's when we realized for sure there's something else happening. It's not just the CVID. It's not Mm -hmm. just the ITP and and the Mm -hmm. warm autoimmune hemolytic anemia. There is something else happening that's causing your body to lose hair Mm -hmm. and for your your body to like reject water and food when you're not on prednisone. Mm -hmm. So there's like the rituximab is helping your blood disorder and the, and the ivig is helping your just general overall health blood disorder and your overall yeah. health and it's basically like they're giving me an immune system because essentially i'm taking all these immune suppressing medications yeah. and they need to make sure that i'm not going to die of like the common cold right so they're pumping me with an immune system basically by giving me the ivig so and i'm getting like a superhuman um kind of immune system like they're giving me like the but best you're of the also best. immune compromised so but i am you sh- yeah you shouldn't be like swimming in public pools and like being around sick people and you know, touching doors. I guess essentially, but they told me like, don't live your life like that. Yeah. Right. And, and you could, you could go crazy. But like, then when we went to, we went to, um, uh, MMT mm-hmm. in Salt Lake city and you were like hanging out in the hot tub for like a month, a, a week straight. A month. <laughs> a week straight. I just sat in the hot tub for a month. <laughs> You're hanging out in the hot tub, like going to the spa and everything. Yeah. After we got back, you got a really aggressive skin rash. Yeah. And I mean, again, this, this is the thing the, with me. The medicated there's so many, med- there's so many medications, so many creams, so many things that it's, it's always hard to even say what triggered it. I mean, yeah. it could have been something I ate. It's so hard to say, you know, and, and that's, that can be frustrating too. When there's so many issues, it's hard to figure out what is going on. You get a rash once, you got bit by a bug, and then you get a rash. Oh, okay, it was the bug bite. You know, it's those simple things like this happened equals this happening. Where it's with me, it's like I've got these nine things going on. This one thing happens. Okay, well, was it number one? Was it number two? Was it number three? Like it's so hard to figure out um, what was the cause of it. So even though we might suspect it was this thing, we don't know for sure. And that's extremely frustrating. Um, But there's definitely something else happening that's unidentified that is related to your hair loss and your skin rashes. And, and well, maybe not even the skin rashes, but hair loss and your, your like, esophagus reaction and your, Mm -hmm. like, your body's reaction to food and water that once we went down off prednisone so low, you started to lose your hair again. So then we went back to the immunologist and the rheumatologist decided to keep you back on prednisone to stop the hair loss while we try yeah, the rheumatologist are, stuff, the right. abatacept and no, the, not, uh, not abatacept, Celsept and Plaquenil. Plaquenil. But he, yeah, and he was like, because I was so concerned about being on prednisone still because I had gained like 40 pounds on it because, and you get something called moon face, which is your face literally swells out. And that was like round, what, January, like a moon. That was like a couple of months after. Yeah. And so I was literally like bald with this big round moon face, 40 pounds overweight, couldn't fit in and any of my clothes. It was a really <laughs> aggressive, aggressive time. But um, yeah, it just, the side effects of that are enough mm. to be like, put you in a very deep <laughs> kind of mental state and i i knew it's such a weird place to be in because you just want to be healthy and feel good but at the same time you don't want to look like that and you don't want to feel like that so um just the idea of being on prednisone long term was really scary for me but he we kind of weighed out you know the best quality of life for me and at the time being on like seven milligrams which is a really low dose um for life possibly was talked about and it's something that I've had to just accept 
I could I think I could do seven milligrams or lower for life. You were very against it. You were like um almost like crying about it. Yeah, at first I was you were just like yeah. so you felt almost like being on prednisone was the 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 worst possible scenario. Because of all yeah. I think the side effects and Yeah, stuff. it was. It was really aggressive side effects. But that on the I low got. dose you don't have But on the low dose, no, yeah. And and right now actually so when my hair started falling out the first time on prednisone, if I'm I'm on four milligrams actually now, and by the time I got to four milligrams, I was aggressively losing my hair. At this stage in my life, which I'm happy to report, is my hair started growing back. I have probably like just like bob hair, like it's probably like a bob that length maybe, and it's came back really dark, so almost black, curly. Um, and I do have still some missing patches, but it's pretty much grown back. Yeah, that was like but when you went back point, on prednisone. I yeah. guess we forgot to mention that. When we went back on prednisone in August of 2017 after the relapse, your hair started to come back. And by the time we got to like January, you had like a short hair, hair do. A hair yeah, do, right? All grown but back you in. had gained 40 pounds and yeah. had the moon face. So yes. you were like, why can't I just have... Yeah. I can deal with one of these things at yeah. a time, but like it's got to be always something. Exactly. Now I was I like... Now I have my hair back, <laughs> you know? but now I look like a squirrel. Or... Yeah, I was just like, I look like I'm hibernating. Like I'm carrying like nuts in my... <laughs> in my... That sounds I care. Like a chipmunk. I look like a chipmunk, but I finally have hair. Like what is there a compromise here? Like why can't I just yeah. have it all? Or like... you had an aggressive skin rash, but you know like you, you know you could eat or whatever right yeah like, it was always, always something. something yeah there was never crazy. it was always yeah like you can have this but we gotta you gotta have this you know yeah exactly yeah but and now and, the skin rash is pretty much gone away yeah i mean i still have it here or there like a few little uh, eczema kind of before, pop-ups no no and, and, and that's where he thought pain um, is gone. The yeah pain was horrible yeah that's and gone. i mean the the pain would always happen higher doses when I'd get to around 40, 30 milligrams when I'd reduce. It always happened when I was reducing and I got around 30, 40 milligrams. That's when that would happen. The joint pain. But, um, so the, I am. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm at four milligrams. I'm able to eat. I still, yeah, I still sometimes get it that the throat, we call it the throat thing, but it's the throat or the throw up thing, which, Mm because we don't know what it is to this day, but, um, I still occasionally will get it. But I know sometimes when I, drink you know something i shouldn't or um eat too much Mm -hmm. (laughs) i get that but the fact that my hair isn't aggressively falling out it's still falling out but not aggressively like it was is a good sign when you when you wean down to like 10 or something is when it had grown back and then it It started to fall out again in patches and i was like okay if that's going to start happening, we know the other stuff's probably going to start happening. So let's go mm-hmm. back on prednisone mm-hmm. and give us a bit more time to and figure out. that's where the rheumatologist out. really stepped in and, and yeah. helped because he said, you know, let's do this step and get you on this other medication and see if this is going to help. It was just a really good process of him listening to me being like, I understand you don't want to lose your hair again for yeah. the second time. Like that's a traumatic experience. And even though I had accepted it, I'd accepted it the first time because I had been told I'd never have hair again. So I'd expect, I had accepted that I was going to be bald my, the rest of my life. But then it grew back, which was this unexpected, wonderful thing. And here I was facing the reality that I probably was going to lose it all again. And as much as I told myself, don't care about it, who cares, you're going to lose it again, it still was not a good feeling, you know. And and uh, so the fact that he was like, well, maybe there's no reason why you have to lose it again. Let's work on this. Let's make this work, you know. And, and uh, it's been awesome ever since. And I feel like right now we've kind of been like in a storm 
for like the last four years, five years. And I feel like now is kind of like the calm after the storm. We're picking up all the pieces and we're putting things yeah. back together and we're kind of more in like a normal state again, as normal, I guess, as we can be in well, we after go, everything. I wouldn't say it's four years. I'd say it's like two year cycles. Two aggressive years. Three like aggressive a year years. year of craziness and then a year of okay. But it was never really okay. That's what I mean. I feel like me personally yeah, right now right. is the most okay I've ever been. Yeah, you're right. In, yeah. in like a good four years yeah. at least. The only thing that now is still a mystery that is I'm still trying to figure out is what's causing your hair to fall out. Mm-hmm. Because it's still falling out, but it's like being back on prednisone has slowed it down. Right from falling out and i feel like with these new medications they're also maybe a little helping because i'm getting regrowth of hair which i never had before but that's because your immune system is suppressed so i think it's like some reason your immune system is attacking your hair right exactly And when your immune system is suppressed Suppressed. it grows back it's like my body functions normally when i'm on immune suppressing drugs which is the weirdest thing ever and when i'm not on immune suppressing drugs and my own immune system is taking over it just like attacks me and just makes me like it just destroys me <laughs> which is so odd uh they shut off my immune system and everything kind of functions the way it's supposed to and it's the strangest yeah. thing um, so that's when i started looking into heavily stem cells mm-hmm. to see if stem cells can help with this because stem cell treatments can there's a really good episode on joe rogan's podcast with dr neil riordan mm-hmm. and mel gibson where he talks about his dad was like on his deathbed and like had all these problems as an older older man and he took him to panama to get the stem cell treatment that dr neil riordan does and it's the umbilical stem cells that we kind of talked about earlier Mm -hmm. he grows them and (laughs) like uh cultures them and also they can do there's different types of stem cell treatments where they can take your own adipose tissue like the, the stem cells out of your fat culture that as well re-inject it back into you so there's like a couple of different stem cell treatments that they can do mm-hmm. and his anyway mel gibson's dad ended up like i think he's probably still alive but he, he ended up getting healthier and like his problems went away and mm-hmm. then we went met um another doctor in salt lake city that does stem cell injections as well and he doesn't do the the MSC stem cells, um, mice and camel, mice and camel stem cells, the ones that are like the uh, umbilical. umbilical stem cells. He does adult stem stem cells, the ones mm-hmm. that they inject your own tissues back into you, right? And some like synthetic they culture stem it cells, and, and then they yeah, they it grow it. You. They take it out, they grow it. I think in a they, lab, they spin it out, right. grow it, make it into more, it, and then and inject, then inject it back millions into of them you. back yeah. into you, and then. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they, like, stimulate regrowth of, of stem cells in your own body, plus they go to the areas where they're needed and, like, stimulate, they kind of, like, become whatever cell they need to be, mm-hmm. the universal stem cells. Mm-hmm. But, like, the fact that some of your doctors were like, yeah, you should try that, but we're not going to help you. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. They're like, sure, why not? Try why not give it a want, try? Yeah. But we're not going to help, help you. you. It's like, yeah. well, we can't help you. But it's, we can't, yeah. It's... Like, it's not... It's not possible for them to actually, like, do it here yet, but there's this place in Ukraine that does it, and there's the Panama place that does it. But then even, like, you know, getting—it seems like we're not there yet, but, like, the next—it's one of the next things that I think we should try. Mm-hmm. And, like, the na- the thing that we're on to right now is the geneticist. We have to go back and meet with the geneticist. Which, and- actually, I, I know that they have the results, and no one has called us yet. 
But and remember she, she was like, the, you should call the, and the find panel, out what's going on. The panel came back negative, but there was some abnormal Yeah, but I found result. that out through my hematologist. Right. And she was like, you should call them. And I said, well, they're supposed to call me for a new appointment. So they're but kind of dropping the ball. she said that if the there's something abnormal or whatever, that they'll make another appointment to get this other specific thing. Yeah, but they out. haven't made an appointment. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So we, gotta, so we, we might gotta be proactive that. about that. Yeah, we got to get on that. <laughs> and get on that. Get but there was also this website called CrowdMed that is like medical detectives. Mm-hmm. And maybe you should even do an interview with the guy that owns that. Yeah, that's a possible podcast future podcast. Is that? Because we had like 10 or 15 medical doctors looking at your records and like trying to mm-hmm. figure it out for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm a medical mystery. <laughs> that's how I feel yeah. sometimes. As much as I, I remember any time I got a diagnosis for anything, I always just felt like, okay, because it would always never end up being that thing. Like it just, I, I, I think if somebody actually diagnosed me a hundred percent and was like, you have this, here's a pill that will fix it. I don't know what I would do because I've lived my life so long, just, um, not knowing and kind of just pushing, just pushing along. I mean, that would be amazing. amazing? Ultimate. Oh my God. It would, I would be like. A whole new me. <laughs> well, not a whole new me, but I would just, I would be like a whole new lease on life. I think it just, that would well, be incredible. Well, then you'd just be that's, back to the normal problems that everybody has. Yeah, exactly. What do we have for supper tonight? Yeah. Because I'm not cooking. <laughs> <laughs> JK. Yeah, that we can talk about that a little bit too. Like that was one of the things we, when we went to the naturopath, you did the food sensitivity test and came back that. You had antibody reactions like IgE, I think is what they measure. Your mm-hmm. uh, your um, your hematologist and your immunologist were measuring IgA and IgG. Right. But mm-hmm. uh, the the naturopath was measuring IgE, I think. IgM. What was the IgM? One of them. Yeah. But anyway, it's just an antibody. It's a type right. of antibody. Yeah, so they, they measured your food sensitivity, like. How your antibodies reacted to the different... And this was before I had blood transfusions or any of that. So it was like my... It was your blood. My yeah. blood, yeah. And your list of results came back like pretty much everything that a normal person would eat on their diet. Yeah, and I, and I cried. Potatoes, <laughs> rice, fish. Like, nuts. let's just throw out there. My two favorite foods on this earth are rice and potatoes. And the two highest sensitivities on that list were rice and potatoes. And I almost ran from the room <laughs> well it took it took about a year and a half oh it did i to, refused like, i instantly process. i cried because i thought after everything i'm going through uh, through everything i'm going through now you're going to take away my favorite foods the things that i'm surviving on right now that keep me joyful <laughs> and i just was like yeah, that no was, that was the cause of no. most of our arguments for a year and it a half. it was diet food yeah food and diet yeah and i just mentally like for the first time in like two years i was actually able to eat because of the prednisone yeah. So I wanted to eat the things that I loved to comfort me. And you were telling me, don't eat those things that are bad was, for you. And I was thinking like you eating this is poisoning yourself. Yeah. So you're like inflaming your immune system yeah. to cause more cascading autoimmune reactions. Mm-hmm. You're basically like poisoning yourself with mm-hmm. this with these potatoes. And I'm thinking, give me the goddamn potatoes before <laughs> I kill you. Because <laughs> I don't care. I just want to have some joy in my life. I'd eat these potatoes because I'm bald and 40 pounds overweight. And you did say that to me one time. You said, this is the only thing I have left. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, just give me this one thing, no, Brad. I th- like, I think you were serious. Like, we were in an argument <laughs> about it. And you were like, 
like it's how you felt. It's yeah, like the only in thing that you moment have left of devastation. At that moment of all the like, yeah. you were going through this aggressive skin problem. You were yeah. losing your hair. You were like had the moon face going on. You're mm-hmm. on on prednisone, and you had just had like, blood transfusion, crazy rash. And like, I'm asking you to give up your potatoes and rice, and like, let's try a low carb diet or a low no sugar, sugar. Diet. oh god that Something one got a great response like, from me too no sugar so and then it was like you were like that's all i have right now yeah <laughs> and then it was actually you know i would have to pick my battles but i would try not to i was getting pretty angry about you were the potatoes and like the different yeah. foods and stuff because i really do yeah. still think that that's one of the biggest and i understand I understand it. I'm not incapable. Like, I understand the reasoning behind it. And Mm -hmm. I know why you said it. And I knew and I know even now, Mm -hmm. if you get rid of inflammatory foods, that's only going to be good for you if you have an inflammation problem, which I clearly do. But in that moment, it, it that didn't matter or exist to me. Because in that moment, I just needed to cope. Yeah, to survive, you know, like, like my survival at that point was just me coping and and to cope. I needed to have one thing because I felt like I had just been stripped away from everything. Like even my identity, I felt had been like stolen from me and I had nothing. And the one thing that gave me joy, well, clearly you and Lee, our daughter gave me joy, but I just mean like the one thing in life that I could enjoy was food. And I just wanted to enjoy the food that I wanted to enjoy. Food and friends. And yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I became kind of a hermit for a little while. No, I'd... I mean the show friends. Oh, the show <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I watched this, the whole 10 seasons of Friends a few times. I can quote many episodes from Friends. That's that's true. Friends got me through. But Leah Beth actually um, did, our daughter, like, did anchor you into reality. She did. More than one time. Oh, like, yeah, that was, definitely. That was the one thing where you would, like, really be a good example for her and, and somehow hold it together. Oh, yeah. Like, it, I would start to spiral and she would say something and it would just, like, snap me right out of it. Yeah. Uh, like uh, more than a few times. Yeah, definitely that happened. Yeah. I think one time I was like in the process of fainting and she was like, <laughs> like I literally was like fainting. Like I remember. And she was, I just got home from the hospital. Remember I just had a blood transfusion and they sent me home. They're like, okay, go home. And I like just finished having a blood transfusion. And so I was really like uptight and stressed and I was like fainting and I was like being like call ambulance or something like as I was fainting and she was like, mommy, are you okay? And I just remember kind of like just something in me. I just kind of focused and started to breathe and just was like, yep, yep, I'm okay. And just kind of got over it. But it was the weirdest thing. I clearly remember I was like fainting (laughs) and like snapped out of it like the second she spoke. And yeah, that's been a huge thing that has gotten me through you too. But I mean, obviously, like Well, like me and you argue, but, you know, obviously I help you and... Oh my God! We I'm argue. We're we're a married couple. We're like we're gonna fight. That, like, but not we fight argue, <laughs> so it's you know, like any couple does. Mm-hmm. And this kind of stuff adds a stress to your relationship, yeah. like a whole nother level. Like yeah. people already have their oh, they do their issues with yeah. their relationships, and then you add add this health and mm-hmm. and all that, like yeah. mental. And I understood it was it. me, like just doing what I had to do to survive. But then you, on the other hand, were just wanting me to be better. And couldn't understand why I wasn't doing all the things, you know, but at me, like, to me, it was like, I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't do all the things I I was just trying to survive, you know, and, and deal with all these mentally messed up things that I was having to go through. And I, I was 
like I didn't know myself anymore. I didn't recognize myself anymore. I was like a totally different person. All the things that were um, like defined me, I guess I had lost, you know, or like my, uh, I guess what makes you feminine, your hair, you know, like things like that. It, it was gone. And I was like, who am I? You know, like it was just such a crazy thing to not know yourself anymore. And to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, who is that person <laughs> is a scary thing. I didn't know who I was. And I, you know, on top of the rashes and the, you know, things. And it was just like a whole, um, a whole other thing. And then to try to navigate, you know, all the other things in life. And then you have a relationship that you have to nurture and, uh, you know, and one person has to be understanding for a little while. And you definitely, um, had to be a little more, um, a little more sympathetic or uh, not sympathetic. You had to be a little more, um, like my tongue. Yeah, yeah, you definitely had to kind of give in a little bit more for I, a little I did, while. I did, but I also, like, was pretty adamant that you should really focus on the autoimmune. You were, and I think it got to a point where I had to be like, listen, if you say one more thing about a diet, I'm going to freak out. Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, okay, okay, I think. But, well, what I we did it, in the end was we hired a chef. Yeah, and I was resistant to that for a very long time because to me, like like bougie people had chefs who but, like... And you were saying like, and it was true that you had so many food allergies, it was like so stressful for you to try to eat clean, It was, like I couldn't... That you couldn't yeah. do it, you'd be spending all day or like a lot of time like worrying about that and on top of all the other things you already had to stress about, you couldn't also add on like being a chef... Right. And like really preparing everything fresh because obviously there's all these research and all these books and all these uh, influencers and stuff talking about the benefits of like the autoimmune diet and like mm -hmm. carnivore diet or veganism or like all these different diets that cut out modern processed foods and carbs that like mm -hmm. inflame you. Mm -hmm. But like to eat like that is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was, it was like, honestly, list. I just thought, oh my God, I, I can't, I can't even do it with everything else that I had was going through. Mentally, mentally, physically, you know, it was just like to have to now be a, like a chef and, and organize all these meals with all these different diets. And then you have a child who only eats this and a husband who wants to eat keto. You know, it's like, I can't keep up with this madness, you know. And, and so I think I finally was like, fine, hire a chef. I just, I couldn't do, I couldn't deal with it anymore. And I, and I and saw the that, value like, in it. It's been about a year now since mm -hmm. we've had Chandra cooking for mm -hmm. us. So I think mm -hmm. maybe like that might And it's been be honestly the, the most valuable thing I think we could have done. And it was the best way to spend our money. Yeah, because uh, it's helped me tremendously. I'm eating a good diet, clean. It could be, it could be the diet, as well as the drugs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're not super strict. We'll still go out sometimes and eat. And bad I still things sneak a bag of chips when you're gone. Whatever, we're not yeah. like. But it's better than not. You know, it's better than. Oh just yeah, it's definitely. We're definitely eating better than we would if we were just trying to do it on our own. So that could be coping. a big reason. Yeah, and you also started exercising. And like, you know what, it's, it sounds like this crazy expensive thing, but if you budget for it and you make it work, you can make it work. You know, you, you definitely have to like budget well, and figure out where it's going to be. Most people are not going to be able to like afford to have a chef. But there's, there's meal prep services and there's meal, meal you know, kits, like yeah. there's everything you can make it. You, I think you can kind of make it work out if you wanted to, even if you just did it a few days a week. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I think any little bit is going to help. So what, what we have though is like once a week you hire somebody to come in and prep all your meals for that week. Yeah, Some right. people have a chef that's like live-in chef. Oh, right. Like... We don't have a live-in chef. This is just <laughs> someone that prepares the meals and brings it in. Yeah. So there's different levels and different degrees So we basically have like this. a subscription to one of those 
meal prep services yeah the right person comes to your house and cooks yeah. it for you yeah and then you have we like healthy specific. meals for the whole week mm-hmm. that you can eat and right and it's it's been one of the best things because she makes delicious food out of things that i typically probably wouldn't cook with or wouldn't desire to cook with you know or know how to cook with and i've also learned a lot from her um on ways to prepare and, and, and do meals. And now that so you've got really a great. bit more energy and stuff, maybe. Yeah. It's, yeah, you know. definitely. Yeah. Cause I, I was, Cause really our, our, our chef is not really able to make it with what she's doing. So she's thinking about stopping cooking for us sometime mm-hmm. soon. So we got to like figure that out. Oh, we got to figure that situation but out. But now right? we're in a better position. So maybe we won't need to have another chef. Yeah. I'm feeling, yeah, exactly. And that's what I said when I said, like, I feel like this was, this was the, the end of the storm. I feel like this has been the most myself I've felt in a good four years, at least it's been. And when I think about it, like to go through what we've gone through in like a four or five year period is insane. It's really only like, been two. It's been, it's been two years of like craziness. Yeah, though. two years of craziness. Four but years like, for sure. Four, four years of like years, issues. But like two years of insanity. Oh yeah, two years of insanity. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we talked about stuff. I don't even know how long we've been talking for, but we've even just this stuff is just like brushing the surface of things that we've gone through in in like a two year period. It was like insanity, and I'm like proud of us. We we like both of us. We we killed it. <laughs> killing it all day every day <laughs> we got through it like and it's it's fantastic and i'm oh i'm so glad to be in a, at a point where even though it's still unpredictable we still don't really have answers yeah to be feeling the way i'm feeling and feel like myself again is so amazing and i i think and i'm proud of myself for that too because mm-hmm. i had to push through a lot and um well i always tell you that too that i'm i'm always look up to you as like a example of strength mm-hmm. and stick to itness and you're such a good example to Leabeth for strength and determination mm-hmm. and like you can put up with a lot more than most people and you know I I think most like most people don't know how strong they are until they're faced with something like this it's true and I kind of and I feel I feel like even though until recently I I never really people would say that to me oh you're so inspiring like all this stuff but I never really felt it yeah. I don't know. I just felt like, oh, no, it's a thing I did that I had to get through. You know, like, that's kind of how my, my I saw it. But then when I started to realize, you know what? No, like, it's okay to give myself a little credit yeah. that I did this thing and I got through it or this thing happened to me, but I didn't just let it destroy me. You know, that is a, a, a big thing to be proud of. And I know that, like, when I lost my hair, because I also lost my eyebrows and my eyelashes, and I was, like, 104 pounds and it was insanity. And I honestly look like an alien, in my opinion. Like, when I look in the mirror, I think, who is this, like, alien looking back at me? And I, I definitely had a moment where I was staring at myself and it was like I was about to snap. Like I, I felt like insane. And I was like, this is the day. <laughs> like this is the day I lose it. And I just like go insane and trash this whole house and just like flip out. And then I just kind of like breathe, like was breathing and calming myself down. And I thought, you know what? What is that going to do? Well, it's a good thing you had a husband that has an alien fetish. Yeah. Brad. <laughs> I didn't even know where to go with that. No, it was something so... Oh, I always, I was, I always think you're beautiful and I always And that was another thing. That's another thing. Exa- I know, but it's hard when you're going through that process to still believe, you know, that when you completely don't look like yourself anymore and your husband's like, no, you're still beautiful. That I had to really... That really it was a struggle to, to be like, do I still? There's no way, you know, and I... I think in that moment too is when I thought, okay, if I go crazy and I lose my mind, 
or I go into depression or whatever, which I think I was already in a depression, but it was like, you know, not all forms of depression are the same. That's something I've learned too. And you can be coping, but still be de- have a de- have depression. And I think I was experiencing a depression, my own type of depression, you know, but I just, I was like, okay, like, what options do I have here? And I knew that if I just kind of lost it and just kind of gave up to it, regardless, I still have it. I was still going to be bald. I was still going to be sick and being sad and angry and wasting my life was going to do nothing. It wasn't going to fix it. It wasn't going to change it. It wasn't going to make anything better. So I think I remember in that moment just saying, just accept it. Just be happy. Mm -hmm. Just live because you're not going to get any of these days back. I wasn't going to get another day of Lebeth's life back, you know? So if I wasted it, you know, it it wasn't worth it to me. And I remember in that moment being like, no, I'm just going to dedicate myself to feeling the way I want to feel and being positive and being happy. And I think I've pretty much done that for the most part. I mean, I've had bad days. Everybody does, but I've tried to like push forward I started wearing that's when I started to wear the head wraps and that's when you found the eyebrow eyebrow wigs for me because I didn't have eyebrows Mm -hmm. and it's like a wig but it's real human hair but it's an eyebrow and you glue it onto your face and those were the most amazing things (laughs) they like changed my life (laughs) what's the name of the company again oh man Uh, head wraps head wraps heads up or something no it was like head wraps something heads I'm gonna have to I I follow them on Instagram yeah it's like head wraps something but they like changed my life because I didn't have to draw I on. I remember you were like eyebrows paranoid anymore. that there was going to be a shortage of them or something. Like oh, that. I so was. So I was like, like a whole bunch I know. I was like, this changed my life. What if they stop making them? And then like, oh god. Uh, but it just—I started wearing these like eyebrow wigs, and I started wearing head wraps and wigs every once in a while, and I just kind of owned it. And what I noticed was I started getting more compliments than I ever got before, because I think people were feeding off that energy, you know, that that positive kind of. Um, happy energy that I was feeling internally. I was feeling these things genuinely and people were noticing that and it was coming across, you know, and people were complimenting me and, you know, and I didn't feel oh, pity. I found them. Headcovers.com. Headcovers. Headcovers.com. Headcovers Unlimited. Yeah, that's what it was. They, yeah, that did actually change my life, I think, for like, because imagine having to draw on your eyebrows every single day, draw them on. It was a nightmare. That's just another little small thing that I used to have to do. Like, it's just so annoying. So to have this thing to just glue on your face and go, it was such a relief. And you actually found them. So thank you yeah. for that. But now I have my own eyebrows back, which is fantastic. They're slowly yeah, kind of thinning out. You but used to think like, oh my God, if I could just have my eyebrows back. I did. Yeah. For, a, for a year or something. Yeah. And or I like, remember if thinking. I could just have my eyebrows yeah. back I, and no hair. I know. I'd be Exactly. Happy. I wanted just eyebrows back. Yeah. Yeah. That was my goal. I was so like, when even your eyebrows started to come back, that was like, oh yeah, miraculous. it was it was cr- incredible. And I and I, yeah, like I would. <laughs> I wanted eyebrows over hair. I was like, I'd rather I take eyebrows over hair any day because people don't realize how insane you look without eyebrows or a lot or eyelashes. Because when you don't have eyelashes, especially, you don't have that darkening kind of rim around your eyes. Like, it just, it's hard to explain. But until you lose all your eyelashes, <laughs> you don't understand. But it was a pretty aggressive look, definitely. It was a, it was a, it was a look. That's for sure. And uh, it was something that I had to. Some of us are into that. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you are into that. Yes. Uh, well, you've had me all different ways. 
something small, the alien knot. I've gone cheetah. through the gauntlet of looks and styles. Cheetah. And cheetah. Yep. Cheetah lady. Cheetah styles. Yeah. Cheetah lady. Um, so it's been it's been a hell of a a hell of a ride so far, and I mean, still really no not a lot of answers. We're still kind of yeah, searching. Yeah, it's a progress. It's a process. A process. Progressing. Yeah. And it's just about making those steps, those little steps, you know, each 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 day. Kind and we of. still have to do um, grass-fed meat. We've got to try that. Yeah, I really want to get into more... No um, preservatives. Yeah, and yeah, I found a place here locally. I think we're going to... You're getting more into, get into that. that. I am. I am. I'm definitely... I've definitely taken a better step in my health journey. Because after Ireland... Mm-hmm. You were mentioning how you had felt great for the week you were gone. Yeah, in Ireland, I I was there for a week and the food, I was kind of, because typically I don't eat dairy, but there I kind of just threw all caution to the wind and I was eating like literally hunks of cheese with bread for breakfast, gluten-free bread, but hunks of cheese with, with breakfast. That's all I would have for breakfast is like a cheese sandwich, basically giant chunks of cheese. And uh, I was absolutely fine. My stomach was great. I think my stress level had a lot to do with it as well. I think stress very much affects me um and i was doing great flying high and i think the food was just so natural and not really processed and i i definitely realized i think i have a, an issue with a lot of processed uh so it sounds like the, what we got to do next is the genetic testing um follow up we got to try grass-fed beef or local grass-fed type of meat mm-hmm no preservatives and more stress freeness. No additives, yeah. More stress freeness. Get rid of stress. So, Brad, where are you going to go for a few weeks? <laughs> <laughs> so I can get pure stress free life. Do you find that weeks. it's like JK? Just kidding. It, well, it's it's true. It's like uh, uh, having stress in your life for sure is having someone in your life that's like in your space is telling a you stressor. don't eat that, don't eat that, yeah. cut out sugar, <laughs> cut out potatoes. Do you find that? It's stress, stressless with when I'm gone or when I, me and Leah are gone. Like, what's is there a difference? Is it more stressful or is there like an eighty twenty rule where I add most of the stress so that you, you're okay with Leah Beth because you just let her do what she wants to do? I don't know. I think I think it just all comes down to the individual. And with me, I have anxiety issues, definitely. And so when you have anxiety and you add that into any situation, that's just going to make it even worse. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I'm completely alone, I'm completely in control. So if I put a cup down somewhere, that cup is staying there. No one's going to move it. Or if I wash the dishes, that sink is going to stay empty because I'm the only one here. So no one's going to be throwing dishes in it. And you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. um, but Ireland was the first time in a long time that I didn't have either you or Leabeth and I was completely on my own. And it was like just a, I didn't have to think. It was just all the worries and the things that I, that constantly went through my head for you guys were gone. I didn't have to think about those things. I could just be, I just existed. And I hadn't done that for a really long time. And I think that's what it was. And it's, it's not even like you guys stress me out because I love you. A lot of times it's my own issues. Well, the two things aren't related. You can still love someone. I can still stress you out. Well, exactly. But I mean, we have a great kid. She's, like I mean my god she's so quiet and good you know yeah. so it's it's not even that I think it's just everybody needs time yeah where they mentally can recharge and I just realized I had not done that in my god probably since the day she was born so in nine years 
I don't think I had really taken, really taken enough time to just be me and exist Mm -hmm. in a space where I didn't really know anybody. That was key too, I think. You might as well mention the name of the place. Yeah. (laughs) So I went to, uh, I guess, what did you call it? A retreat? Yeah, a health retreat. A health retreat. A uh, mental health retreat. Maybe. It's called like Brave a... Soul. Um, and it's run by Philip McKernan. Um, and he does it in Ireland in a little village called Ballyvaughan. And um, I had met Philip through Brad. And um, the idea of like flying to Ireland for a week and being completely on my own. And they took my cell phone away so you couldn't even have contact with anybody was terrifying. But at the same time, it sounded so amazing. And... Uh, I want to work on my physical health and I, I, I realize that my mental health is obviously extremely important as well. And, and that was something that I really needed to focus on. And with Brad's encouragement too, you know, we uh, signed up and away I went to this, to this retreat. I think it was seven days, I believe, and Brave Soul was what it was called. And it was yeah. um, a really amazing experience. And it definitely, man, it, it definitely changed my life, I think, in, in a good way. Inspired you to start the podcast. It did. Yeah, here we go. This is like one of the things that it definitely inspired me to do. Um, I feel like especially people who go through like traumatic things um, or illnesses, whatever, disabilities, like you can, it's easy to forget who you are. And I feel like when you're sick, um, the tendency is for people around you to just kind of baby you or try to like, or like they put you in a bubble, like obviously not in a bad way. It's just they're, they're so worried you know, and I think it kind of became a pattern with me where everybody was scared and nervous and babying me a little bit to an extent that I started to believe that, you know, I'm fragile, I'm weak. Um, I need to be taken care of. Someone needs to be taking care of me. Someone needs to be answering my questions and, and taking care of this and that. And I let that become who I was, I think. And um, going to Brave Soul, I realized, you know, that wasn't the case. I wasn't weak. And I wasn't the illness I was still me and I could still live that and it was a really eye-opening thing and and um I came back like really recharged and ready to kind of just take on life the way I was meant to and um yeah starting the podcast was something that I had always talked about doing but I felt like maybe I wasn't smart enough maybe I would be wouldn't be funny enough and people wouldn't listen but um the reality is whether a million people listen or whether six people listen, I'm doing it and it's fulfilling to me. And if I can even help one person, then that's, that's the ultimate goal. So, yeah, there's probably a lot of people that are living with mystery illness or something Mm -hmm. that even Mm -hmm. CVID Mm -hmm. that they just, I mean, even, even mental health, you know, people just, just struggling with, um, with mental health issues, you know, it's, it's such a vast thing, you know, and, there's answers out there. It is. And it's amazing what you can relate to. You know, there may be people that listen who don't even have an illness, but they relate to feeling invisible or they relate to looking in the mirror and not recognizing themselves. You know, and that's something I learned in, in Ireland too. Like you can have nothing in common with somebody um, or the situation can be different, but but you still, um, something resonates with you and in, in what somebody's saying. And so that's, and, and I mean, we never know where our life is going to turn, what's going to happen. I definitely didn't expect my life to end up like this or have an illness or whatever. And it, it did, it happened to me and the future, we don't know what's, what's to come. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, 
yeah start a podcast start a podcast <laughs> do what you want do what you want you only live once yolo <laughs> so that's what i'm doing i'm yoloing the hell out of this and just living my life doing what i want on my terms go cook me supper <laughs> potatoes but um yeah it's it's been good this has been a good period of time for me to kind of do this stuff and thank you for being my very first guest you're welcome on my podcast it's so great do you I love you. Uh, do you think it was successful? I do. I, I feel like it was. Do you? I think yes. we, um, I mean, we could probably talk for four hours <laughs> about this stuff in all honesty, but um, it has to end sometime, people. I'm sorry. We've got to stop talking. So what do you want to do next? What's your next, like, who do you want to interview next? You know what? I'm not sure. Um, I know somebody who has lupus. I was considering maybe giving her a call and seeing, um, Maybe if she wanted to talk, I eventually want to talk to somebody um, that works in like blood donation. Actually, I'm going to shout that out. If you are somebody who has donated blood, I just want to say how much I appreciate um, people who are donating blood on a regular basis. You're incredible and you've changed my life for sure. And I know you, you're changing people, you know, all over the world, changing their lives. And if you've never donated blood, but you've considered it, you know, maybe... This is a good push, the little push you need to mm-hmm. to decide to go do it and maybe take a friend, you know, uh, but um, definitely a shout out to to blood donation and, and going there. But I would love to do I would love to interview somebody who kind of organizes that and kind of uh, have a platform for that as well. That would be something that I would love to do and, and encourage. So you think you saw uh, I, did, I think I saw that the Canadian Blood Services was saying that their levels are low. Yeah, I think like they O negative um, because they use that a lot, right? Or O. So they need people to come so, donate blood. Yeah, if you, especially if you're at O or or O negative uh, blood, they they do it's need it because I've actually had to have O negative because um, they couldn't find right my blood type, um, and so in emergency situations they'll give O. Is it O? O I negative don't know. O. I think O. Um, but yeah, shout out to those who give who donate blood. You're incredible. If you haven't, but you're considering it, maybe go do it. Yay! Um, because you also, you're you're saving lives. You should get someone from the IDF. Yeah, there's a lot of things I have planned that I'm thinking of doing, and um, I'm really excited about it. And I'm I'm excited that I'm I'm happy that the first one was with you, and I'm. Happy to kind of tell the story a little bit. I think that a lot of people are curious. You know, people even just have seen me around and see me wearing headscarves and they're like, what the, you know, <laughs> uh, what's going on? So it's kind of nice to kind of get it out there and You could also have a guest talk about different types of natural treatments and Oh yeah, there's a huge and- list. I've, I've been... I've been thinking about it and I have a big list on the go of people that I can talk to and, and awesome. interview and stuff. Yeah, so I, I've got a lot of stuff up my sleeve um i just have to figure out all this technology side of it because i'm not tech savvy so i gotta well typically typically like the structure of a podcast is that people end with like thanks to the sponsors and then they name their sponsors yeah yeah and i i I do not have sponsors (laughs) (laughs) i I have zero sponsors i came on the show with no sponsors yes i'm out of here oh okay take the kid with you (laughs) 
to give me a week off. <laughs> just kidding. Actually, you do um, have a sponsor, Philip McKernan gave you. Yeah, a, exactly, <laughs> Philip McKernan, and actually, in a weird kind of well, actually, in a weird kind of twist of fate, I guess, Philip McKernan, who runs the Brave Soul, um, the place where I decided finally I was going to do my podcast. I'm going to do my podcast. And I'm just going to do it. He actually gave my husband the equipment that we're using to record the podcast on. Yeah, like like eight months ago. Yeah, it's just like a weird kind of ironic... ironic. Yeah, I posted on Facebook saying, like, I'm starting a podcast on Bitcoin yeah. and I don't have any equipment. Does anyone know what I should buy? And Philip sent me a message privately and was like, you know what, actually, I have this equipment that I've never used. I use it, like, for, like, five minutes and then decided I was going to do something else. You can have it if you want. Yeah. And he, like, FedEx And he gave it. And then, like, all these months later, a year later, I'm here using it for my first podcast, which was inspired, um, inspired me, like, when I was at Brave Soul. So it's just kind of a neat little thing. Well, it was funny because I was so excited to get it and then it just didn't arrive in time. I was going to a conference. So I ended up buying my own one, like, Mm -hmm. in Toronto and I was... I was like hoping it would come, but it didn't. So mm-hmm. when I was gone, it arrived. So I've been using it as like a backup recorder yeah. to get B sound. And now it's officially and getting it's gifted your, to me. It's yours. From yeah. Philip, yeah. who helped change my life. Yeah. <laughs> so that's an interesting little factoid about about all that. It's like it's meant to be. Yep. It was written in the stars. But uh, yeah, we should probably wrap this up. Yeah. I don't even know how long this is going. Thanks for having me on your for show. D- yeah, my sh- my show. I've, I'm sure down the road I'll have some kind of catchy catchphrase or something, but right now it's just uh, me gabbing the best I can. <laughs> That's a good name for the podcast there. <laughs> me gabbing. Me gabbing. Just a gal gabbing. Oh, yeah, all the men will love that. They'll run to listen to this podcast. <laughs> One gal gabbing. Um, me gabbing about my amoglobin. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh just like how i rush to listen to your podcast about bitcoin yeah just dying to listen to all that <laughs> you need to have me a guest on there well, on I'll your put bitcoin this on podcast. My podcast maybe oh no it said nothing to do with bitcoin so i don't think yeah. people will listen to it on my podcast but it's so interesting that it they is, will yeah even though it's not about bitcoin yeah, all 10 of my listeners will come. And actually, let's plug, if you're interested in Bitcoin, you can listen to Magic Brad's podcast, which is Magic Internet Money. That's right. Magic Internet Money podcast. Yeah. Let's plug uh, that. My show was about Bitcoin mm-hmm. and cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Um, was an early investor in Bitcoin and that you know, went kind of crazy around the same time as Liz's health problems. Yeah, so that sure was like did. one of the other things we were dealing with, which was kind of insane around the same time. But also helped us pay for a lot of the things that yeah. we needed to pay for with my illness. So it was actually kind of a lifesaver yeah, at that it was time. Like yeah. A lot of my friends were cashing out Bitcoin that they had mined in their basements mm-hmm. in 2011 or 12 or something. And they're like, buying fancy cars or like and we were paying for infusions and tuxamab. <laughs> and pretty much like the first thing that I did with the bitcoin profits was like do a photo shoot with you oh yeah after i'd you, lost my hair when you lost your hair yeah. to like sort of help you get some Just confidence nice, back. and it's nice it's actually right behind us the photo and uh it's crazy to look at it now yeah it's like i'm completely bald and i'm rocking it and but you look amazing in it oh thank you and um and then yeah we were able to pay for the rituximab and mm-hmm you know hire hire a chef to come prep meals for us for the week and stuff mm-hmm. so we well we used we we used money from that to pay for things like we we yeah. still had to budget <laughs> 
but we made it work, right? We yeah, it's where other investing. people were where other people were buying cars and all these other things, we were using it um, for yeah. treatments and food. <laughs> it's, it's like we're in a lucky position. So, yeah. anyways, I talk about I talk about Bitcoin and why I think Bitcoin is still it's still an early time for it, and why I think it's a good investment for people now. It's currently mm-hmm. priced around like ten thousand dollars U.S., and I believe for the next five to ten years, it'll be at a million dollars per Bitcoin. One can only hope. So, you know, tune into my show if you're interested yeah, in, in diversifying some of your savings into cryptocurrency <laughs> and Bitcoin, mostly just Bitcoin. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Magic yeah, Internet Money is the show. I got to plug your show. Thanks. On my show. Yeah. How fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brad, we should wrap this up. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> you're welcome. I know you're a busy man. You're welcome. So you gave me time. Um, again, I hope everybody enjoyed listening. It was just kind of us talking about, you know, my experience, but for the first time, I kind of just wanted to get out there what I've been through my experience, my health journey, I guess you could call it. And, uh, I hope, um, you enjoyed listening. I guess that's really all I can hope for. And, um, hopefully not too much longer. I'll have another riveting episode and, uh, thanks again to Brad and thank you to everybody. And thank you for having me on Me Gavin. <laughs> One gal, Gavin. <laughs> okay. Peace out.